the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast from Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And I'm Dean. Hey, Dean! Hey, Good guys. to hear from you, my man. <laughs> great to be here. It is great to have you. If anybody has not listened to the Talking Back podcast, you absolutely should. Dean does it with his brother, Tim. And they do all things nostalgic, some things even like more recent as well. They're, and they're, they cover the entire gamut of pop culture. So how about you tell us a little bit more about your podcast? Yeah, sure. Thanks for that uh, shout out there, Adam. Uh, yeah, I do it with mm-hmm. my, my brother, Tim. Similar to you, we are another brother's podcast. Uh, we like to talk about movies, comics, video games, some TV shows. We kind of just leave it wide open. It's, it's almost just whatever we're feeling like we want to talk about that week. Um, so it ends up being a lot of nostalgic things, but also... Sometimes it's stuff that just came out two years ago because we just really loved it. Uh, so, yeah, we, we cover everything across the board. I noticed you didn't really say a boot like I thought you would. <laughs> no, that's not really a thing. <laughs> I, I have never really heard anybody say a boot. I might say A a couple times, um, but a mm-hmm. boot I don't think I'll say. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll mention that I was uh, listening up to y'all's uh, review of the Clone War, or not the Clone Wars, Clone Wars from 2003, the animated, like the 2D animated movie. Yeah. Well, it's not a movie. It's the, the shorts that they kind of, you could put together. And that motivated me to rewatch all of Star Wars, which I haven't, I'm in the middle of, but I wanted to watch all of the canon. And I was just like, man, they're talking, you know, you guys are, you guys are very passionate about that. Particularly Tim was very yes. passionate about Clone Wars. Yes, we are big Star Wars fans, and he is a huge Clone Wars fan. Um, we haven't really tackled the movies yet, because that's that's a big thing for us, because it's so important mm-hmm. to us, but we'll get to it someday. <laughs> so anyway, I, I listened to, or I watched, uh, and I'm going to go chronological, so I watched cool. episode one, or Phantom Menace, and then Attack of the Clones, and then the the Clone Wars from 2008, because the 2003 version that y'all talked about is no longer canon. It was taken away with all the other stuff as True. well. Yeah. Yeah. And then now I'm in, the, I'm early on the side of going through the Clone Wars show, which will take me a while to do, but awesome great stuff. Yeah. Great to hear. Which if you can help me try to convince John to watch the Clone Wars cartoon show, um, I know he has had no, no interest in it, but I think, you know, your passion maybe can get him to do it. I did start. Oh, Ooh. you did start! Yes, I took, awesome. uh, Corey advised to skip the first two seasons because I had a very hard time. I watched about three episodes of of the first season and turned it off and said, I'm never watching this. This is just utter shit. Ooh. And, uh, I was saying, uh, that's no, it was shit. It was absolutely shit. I could well, not sit through it. It was horrible really? animation, horrible writing. I couldn't stand whoa, it. Whoa, 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 I rewatched those couple episodes because I'm, I'm in season one right now. And season episode one is when Yoda takes those three guys uh, through. I mean, it's a good episode. That's a good episode. Then, no, it is not a good episode. What? It was not a good episode. Dude. So I skipped no, ahead, some, to, I skipped ahead to season you, three. Fuck you. And it's been okay. It's been tolerable. All right. Wow. Have, so, you got, have you gotten to the Darth Maul stuff? You're a big Darth Maul fan, so have you gotten to- I am a to, big Darth Maul fan, so I'm excited about that I would stuff. Say, as a Darth Maul fan, yeah, you, you, you have to do your due diligence and watch his episodes because they add a lot to his character. All right. Because there was nothing of his character other than being badass. 
just right. looking cool. So, yeah. Right? Which is a lot of Star Wars characters. Hey, there's nothing wrong with just looking cool. There's nothing wrong <laughs> with just looking cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. Dean, I'm sure, agrees that the first couple episodes are good and they're not shit. So, uh, all right. Anyway, that's a little, <laughs> nice little diatribe on the Clone Wars. I like um, it. I guess I, we're not actually talking the Clone Wars in this episode of Legend Maybe we Fest. should. <laughs> Maybe. I, I, could, I could go on. But we're talking about other computer animated things similar enough. Now, we are going to talk the 1995 computer animated movie Toy Story. We're going to follow that up by reviewing the, uh, the mid uh, 90s to early 2000s show Reboot, which you recommended because... Team Canada, um, yeah. but it was it was uh, another computer animated show, and and just to kind of have the tie in with those together, Toy Story was the very first full length feature, fully computer animated movie. Reboot was the first full length animated or computer animated TV show. So I thought those two worked really well together. Uh, and then we're going to do a casting, forego all the computer animation, well not all of it, some of it, and do a live action casting of Reboot, which I'm really excited about. Me too. I'm super excited to get to that. So, um, before we get in there, John, you know, you like to, to dive us back into, you know, the time and the place and time in our lives in 1995 when Toy Story came out. Could you, uh, could you set our minds back there? So, the movie came out on November 22nd of 1995, topping the Billboard Top 100 for that week. Actually, at the end, this was the end of a seven straight week run. Um, was that sweet, sweet song, Fantasy by Mariah Carey. Oh. That's good. I yeah, mean, I was, it. I nailed it. Yeah, nailed that was it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, could you tell? Could no, you know, was I, that Mariah Carey? Was that Adam? I thought you were playing it on your phone or something. I didn't realize that was you. That's amazing. Uh, topping the Nielsen ratings that week is not really a surprise. It was a, a great show that had a good run in the late 90s, which was ER. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was huge. The, the New York Times bestseller was the Michael Crichton book, Lost World which is the sequel to Jurassic Park. Cool, cool. He also uh, he also wrote ER. Yes, he did. Yeah. Whoa, He's crushing right cool. now, is... 95. Yeah. John, I think you actually read Lost World, if I remember. No, mm-hmm. I've read Jurassic Park. I've never read Lost World. Although I've heard the book is pretty good. I, the movie I was not a huge fan of. but uh, uh, Video game players uh, just started playing a game that I remember hearing about, but I don't never really played it, and that was Donkey Kong Country 2. Diddy's Conquest mm. for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System. I, I I've definitely played that one. Yeah, it's a fun. It's a fun one. It's a, they kind of do. It's a whole big kind of side scroller. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they do a lot of like the uh, you go on the tracks and yeah, you you jump shit and stuff like that. Like the Donkey Kong Country stuff is really cool. Diddy Kong is was fun too. Yeah, yeah. I did not. I did not play that one. Um, it's it's kind of a okay. theme on Tim and Mine's podcast is that I'm not really a gamer and he is. So there's a lot of things that I mm-hmm. missed and then we kind of revisit them. So yeah, that was not one. I I played. Okay. I, I didn't really play it either, so don't feel bad. Okay. Whew. Uh, we didn't own a Super Nintendo Entertainment System, so I didn't. I didn't get a lot of these games in. Uh, was Diddy Kong? Was Diddy Kong like like the son of Donkey Kong or something? Uh, I think so. Uh, yeah. Like I, I thought like little brother or something, but I also don't. Oh, okay. Know. Could, yeah, could have been it. 
Okay, doesn't matter. Uh, and I will. The last thing I will leave us on is because we have uh, Dean on here. At 1995 was the time when uh, the Quebec referendum was just narrowly defeated. They almost became their own country, or wow. tried to. Wow, they try multiple times. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, they tried then, and I remember that. I actually remember that then being a big deal. Yeah. And then I remember something like someone telling me, yeah, they've been trying that for years. Yeah. They don't like being a part of us. <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't understand. Granada. Uh, Granada. Jesus. Uh, Granada. <laughs> I, Canada is a great country. It, it. I agree, John. Thank you. It is a great country. <laughs> I've been up there multiple times. He has. I've only been once, and it was really kind of on an Alaskan cruise where we just kind of like stepped into Victoria, and I oh, kind yeah. of spent the day there. And it was gorgeous. I thought that was really nice. I need to see much more of it. For Victoria sure. is probably my favorite uh, town in in Canada. Very nice. nice over there. I've been there. I've been there at least two or three times. All right, and that was 1995. Cool. All right, that got us all set up. I'm feeling nostalgic, so uh, let's get our way into Toy Story. Toy Story from 1995. This was directed by John Lasseter. You know, one of the Pixar greats. He directed Bugs Life, Toy Story 2, Cars, Cars 2. He's a just top, top executive at Pixar. Um, the original story for this movie was um, done by other Pixar names. Lasseter, Pete Doctor, Joe, Joe Ramped, and Andrew Stanton. The screenplay uh, was worked on multiple people, one of them being Joss Whedon. Yeah. That I don't think a lot of people know. Which is really cool. Yes, when I saw that in the opening credits, that was really neat to see. Did not know that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like he's one of our generations. Like, you know, we just beloved writers. Yeah. You know, when it comes to this kind of stuff, um, music done by Randy Newman, who a lot of people might know him from other stuff he did with Disney, including Bugs Life, um, Princess Princess and the Frog, Toy Story Two as well. But he also did some other movies. Sea Biscuit was a great soundtrack as well. Maverick, that Tom, uh, the Tom. Not Tom, Mel Gibson, um, oh, yeah, yeah. Western movie, mm-hmm. uh, Parenthood with Steve Martin that we love a lot, and then also the movie that I think a lot of people don't don't know. I don't realize how good it is. It was a uh, Robin Williams and Robert De Niro did a movie called Awakenings, which is a fantastic oh, film. Oh, great yeah. movie. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Randy Newman did the score for that one as well. Didn't he do? Am I am I remembering this thing correctly? Didn't he do When Harry Met Sally? Very possible. Uh, okay, I thought I remember that, but I could be wrong. He's done a bunch of stuff. I just haven't. Uh, I'll say sure, whatever. Fuck it. I'll give it to Randy Newman, even if it's not his. Yeah, because he owned Pixar at the time. It, this movie was executive produced by Steve Jobs, right? As well, mm-hmm. um, we'll get a little bit into the cast. Woody. I mean, this is a, a fantastic cast. Obviously, um, everybody knows him. Hell, they're still making movies. Uh, Woody was done by Tom Hanks. Buzz by Tim Allen. One interesting side note. Billy Crystal was originally offered the chance to voice Buzz Lightyear, but he declined. Mm. After seeing the finished film, he said the decision was one of the biggest mistakes of his career. And upon learning this, John Lasseter called his house. He offered him the role of Mike Wachowski in Monsters, Inc. Interesting. Wow. Interesting. Do you think Billy Crystal can pull off Buzz, though? Much different character. It is. I mean, he fits so much as a as a Mike Wachowski, you know, kind yeah. of like that neurotic Billy Crystal thing where Buzz is so confident. Yeah. And playing it so straight. Yes. Like that's key to Buzz, just playing it like right down yeah. the middle, so straight, no jokes. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah I'm not sure I, I could have seen that happening, but eh. Um, Mr. Potato Head is voiced by Don Rickles. 
a comedy legend. Uh, Slinky, another comedy legend, voiced by Jim Varney, who a lot of people might know as Ernest from all yeah. of the bajillion Ernest movies. Oh, yeah. Love uh, those movies. Know what I mean, Vern? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and Rex was voiced by Wallace Shawn, who most people would recognize as Vizzini in The Princess Bride. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Ham is voiced by, quote unquote, the good luck charm of Pixar. His name is John Ratzenberger, and he's been in every Pixar movie because he is he is their good luck charm. He's awesome. Then the last person I'm going to mention, at least in this little grouping, is uh, Bo Peep was voiced by Annie Potts, who I know our Corey would get a hard on because he loves uh, <laughs> Ghost, Ghostbusters so much. She was she was the receptionist in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Great lineup. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, that's a great like early or like, you know, main casting for, I mean, all of those are fantastic real actors. I mean, this is in the time, I guess, after Aladdin where, you know, you use voice actors for like side little characters, but like any of like the main characters have a big name to them. Yeah. Which, you know, I'm somewhat torn on. John and I have kind of had this discussion. We love voice actors. We're big fans of the Rob Paulson's, the Frank Welker's, the, uh, the Billy West's, the, you know, the, Phil Lamar's the whatever the bajillion of fantastic voice actors and so like I feel like some of them don't get their credit nowadays because oh I'm just gonna put in a big fucking name into this animated show just to kind of have that name credit to go along with it as opposed to getting the best voice for it but Mm -hmm. yeah just having that name on the poster Mm -hmm. exactly Um, but luckily I think they killed it on this one for sure yeah and uh, as I mentioned this was the first entirely computer animated feature film and is also the first feature film from Pixar, who has gone on to be one of the biggest, most profitable company, or at least like the you know highest grossing um, yeah. film yeah. groups right now. And this movie was the first animated film in Oscar history to be nominated for Best Screenplay, which is really oh. cool. Oh, cool! So before we dive into the actual you know meat of the movie, uh, I just kind of want to you know hear from the two of you, and I'll mention myself. Like you know, what do you know? Or did you watch Toy Story when you were younger? You know, are you nostalgic for this film? We'll start with uh, Dean. Yeah, sure. Um, I am definitely nostalgic for this film. I mean, we love this film, right, guys? Like, this is a great one. I mean, <laughs> we'll get to it. You gotta save. You gotta <laughs> save it till the end. Wait, you gotta have some drama. Yeah. <laughs> for the podcast. Um, yeah. No, I loved it. I was uh, nine years old when it came out. I was ten years old when it came out on VHS. Um, so I was like, this was right in my zone. I remember liking it so much getting the VHS on like opening weekend when it whatever when it came out and then I was going that weekend to have like a sleepover with a new friend who you know I'm a 10 year old boy and so it's like is mm. Toy Story cool enough to bring to the sleepover and so I was <laughs> I was trying to decide should I bring it should I not bring it should I bring it so I was talking <laughs> to my mom I'm like what should I do like what if I'm not cool what if he doesn't like Toy Story and so she came up with the brilliant plan that it's a sleepover so I need to bring a backpack so just put it in the backpack, pull it out, say you didn't know it was there, say that I put it in there, <laughs> and then gauge his reaction. And it was it worked brilliantly. I pulled it out. And I was like, oh, oh, my mom put Toy Story in here. And he's like, I love Toy Story. You're the best. You're the coolest. And we watched it that night. Are we now best friends? Like basically, it's exactly and basically we became best friends after that. <laughs> like I, I moved away from there many, many years ago, but we were best friends there. It was it was great. Great moment. I love the movie. All right, John. Uh, so this movie came out uh, when I was uh, 14. I was almost 15 years old, so I was starting high school. I do remember when it came out because there was a lot of buzz around it. No uh, pun intended. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember, I, I'm sure I probably went to go see it. I think I liked it, but after that, I really didn't give it any other thought. 
because I was kind of older at that point. Um, I was still watching some cartoons, but I was kind of past it. I was really I, I was busy with you know high school stuff and all the stupid shit that goes along with that. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, activities. I was in the marching band. I did a lot of uh, stuff like that. But mm-hmm. when I had kids, holy hell, I've mm-hmm. seen this movie so many times and even recently so many times, I didn't bother to watch it for this one because I That's- could probably <laughs> cite the entire movie from memory. <laughs> yeah. From the amount of times that my children have watched it, that I've had to show it um, at at school for certain various things when I was teaching elementary school. Um, when I taught high school, I did for about a year, I did a film appreciation course. And this was one of the um, movies I showed. I did kind of by genres. And one of the genres I did was animation. And I showed this one and Snow White because they're both the first example of a feature film in a certain style. You know, Snow White being the first fully featured, uh, fully animated feature film and this one being the fully com- first computer animated feature film so i've seen this movie so many times i did not feel the need to to watch it before we talked about it yeah i was curious um if you were if you're gonna watch it i mean i, I figured you might but uh i was actually gonna be curious if you would show it to your kids because i know how much they love it your son i remember getting for him at one stage of his like what, whatever age he was at his birthday i got him either a woody or a buzz or something what yeah. like he was in a toy story phase for a while oh god he was he watched <laughs> he watched all of them for a while and he went through a phase where the only one he would watch was the first one and i'd be like hey buddy hmm. don't you want to watch the second one or the third one the, you know way before the fourth one to come out he was like, no, I want to watch the first one again today <laughs> for the third time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's get into our scene breakdown of the film. We start off in a kind of a toy Western town made of cardboard. And just immediately, this is a nostalgic podcast. This is a nostalgic network. I'm already immediately thrown back into just when life was simpler. And, you know, when I played with toys and I had <laughs> that kind of imagination, and, you know, it just—it also kind of made me sad. Like, man, where the fuck did my imagination go? It's <laughs> just—you yeah. don't—you lose it, and you don't. I can't think. Like, I can't. I don't have imagination unless I'm reading a book or I'm watching a movie, and I can kind of spin off of something. But like creating shit out of thin air, like I did when I was a kid, it's gone, man. <laughs> totally, man. That just memory of sitting on your floor and just like playing with toys, and that's what you did all Saturday afternoon. That just—you're mm-hmm. right. When this movie opens, I'm just right there. I'm on the floor with like my rubber wrestlers, and I'm having like a Royal Rumble. Like I just get thrown right back into that time. That's been my life for the last uh, ten years. Mm. So yeah, I don't really have to go that far back. It's yeah, a little bit yeah. different though when you have kids. So, Fair however, enough. both of my children are freaking bossy. So whenever, whenever, uh, whenever we play, yes. it's yes. not. They're like. They're like, no, no, no. Ugh. He's gonna say this, and then she's gonna say this, and they're gonna. I'm like, can't I just play it how I want? No, they got to do this. That like they, my, they're brother. They're like movie directors. Like they're 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 telling me exactly how how we're gonna play with these toys. But that's right. when you got to say I'm the fucking producer, and that you don't know this, but the producer is the real boss on set because they're the ones with the money. And then my so, kids are like, what's a producer? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty quickly we get that theme song. You've got a friend in me. You've got a friend in me. You got a friend in me. Come on, let's wrangle up the cattle. When the road looks rough ahead and you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed. Round them up, cowboy. Just remember what your old pal said. Boy, you got a friend in me. Yeehaw! Yeah, you got a friend Cute song. I mean, that that's... 
that one just kind of blew up. I mean, that that is so synonymous with the Toy Story series. You know, cute song. You get this little montage of Andy kind of playing with his toys, but mostly with Woody at the time. You can obviously that's his favorite. Mm-hmm. We noticed that Andy's got a birthday coming up, uh, and then that's when we see Woody come alive. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, these toys are alive! I don't. I mean, that's not really a surprise. It was in the trailer and all that kind of shit. But <laughs> um, you know, that's the whole thing of this world is when humans are not around. Uh, the toys come to life, and they have their own little special world, which is super cute. Potato Head, I love... Potato Head has some of the best lines in this movie, and I'll call <laughs> out a couple of them. Oh, yeah. But, I, I mean, just very early on, I love his little... When we kind of first meet him, or when we, we kind of... He starts talking, he rearranges his face, say, look! Hey, Ham! Look! I'm Picasso! I don't get it. You uncultured swine! What are you looking at, you hockey puck? <laughs> Another nice little joke of you uncultured swine, and then he turns to his right. We see some. We don't see something off camera. He's like, "What are you looking at, you hockey puck?" He looks by, and it's a fucking hockey puck. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's it, it is great writing. I mean, already, yeah. And it's, that's going to be something that is obvious with Pixar throughout. That stays throughout this pretty much their entire time, where. These jokes already, because it's animated and these toys, it comes across as like a super cute kid-centric movie, and there and it is. But already, I'm getting jokes as an adult that I'm just like, wow, this is this is legitimate funny right here. Yeah, yeah. and this this beginning, I don't know how much of like Joss Whedon's screenplay actually you know makes it here, but. Mm this introduction of characters feels to me like such a Whedon thing, you know, like just going mm. character to character. Everyone has their own little thing. Everyone's got their own little style of jokes. He's so good at building a team. And I think that's what we get right in Andy's room here right at the beginning. I could totally see that. Um, including uh, another person that we meet is uh, Sarge, who is voiced by Arlie Ermey. Yes. Mm-hmm. Love Arlie Ermey. And then, yeah, we just kind of meet all the others. Rex, Slinky, Bo Peep. And I again, another quick little joke. I, yeah, th- th- I could totally see this being Joss Whedon, but, you know, she's flirting with Rex and she's just kind of walking away. She just she says, remember, I'm just a couple of blocks away. And she's standing in front of little wood blocks like that's <laughs> clever. Yeah. I don't you know, it's not really like a bad cheesy pun. As an adult, you're like, oh, wow, I see what they did there. And I <laughs> like it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. You're not going to get that as a kid. But then you see it, you know, you see it as an adult and you're like, that is smart. That was a good job there. I appreciate you. So Woody gathers everybody for a quote unquote staff meeting. Um, they talk about the upcoming move. Just kind of also this is a good little way of giving us a little bit of exposition about what's going to be happening and what they're going to be dealing with them in the movie. And then he kind of warns them about this birthday coming up with, uh, you know, new toys coming and they're all freaking out because, you know, they don't, they don't want to be passed over and, you know, a new toy kind of taking over, you know, their love. I do want to call out again, Mr. Potato Head. He's maybe the most adult joking person here (laughs) while Slinky is kind of like defending Woody and whatnot. You see Potato Head pulls his lips off and kind of moves it towards his butt (laughs) as if, as if Slinky is a kiss ass. And it's just like stuff. Yeah. The kids aren't going to get it. But I certainly do. <laughs> yeah, and I like I like the characterization of Potato Head because like if you were a toy and your whole being was just to get things ripped off you by like mm-hmm. little kids, it's like yeah, you're gonna be grumpy all the time. <laughs> you have the worst life. <laughs> yeah. So the party starts. The birthday party starts, and you know they're obviously all worried. They do. They have the army men do a nice little. Uh, kind of a recon where they have to go down uh, and and set up a you know like a baby mic and so they set that up uh, a mon- baby monitor over there so they can listen and just having them do that setup I don't know why it immediately reminded me of the N64 game Army Men Sarge's Heroes did either of you play that one at all I did not no 
No, oh, you're not a yeah. I already said you're not a video game guy. And John and I know didn't have an N64, which I didn't either. But I had a, a buddy who did. Um, my best friend in, when I was in in, in uh, middle school and such. So I played at his place. All right, moving on from that topic. I hope someone else out who's listening to us played Army Men: Sarge's Heroes, and it was a great game. Damn it! It's a, that that scene though was a great fucking action scene. Like it, it is. It's so intense right away. They have yeah, they got a good like march going on with it. Yeah. Um and it's just the the from what I heard, the animators for the army men nailed shoes onto like a plank or like a, on a piece uh. of wood and and walked around with it to try and actually get nailed down how the army men would move. And it just it looks so good. Like that is how the army men should be moving because they're you know, obviously they have that piece of plastic that ties their feet together. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a great addition to have, that piece of plastic. Like, then you know they're mm-hmm. taking the effort to really think about how a toy would move. Yeah. Really cool. Uh, at first, it seems like there's no new toys, but then the mom comes in with a surprise, but Rex fucks things up with the radio, and uh, they, the batteries fall, so they're not sure exactly what it is at first. The toys all have to kind of rush back into place because the kids are going to go upstairs to play with play with the toys and shit like that. Woody gets pushed off the bed, um, and so they're all kind of, like, underneath the area, like, what the hell is that set on the bed right now? What's going on? And he climbs up, and he meets Buzz, who comes to life, and he doesn't really know he's a toy right now. He's just mm-hmm. acting as the Buzz Lightyear from a TV show or whatever. Immediately, I've got some questions in my head. I'm like, okay, so does this happen with all toys? Do all of them think they are whatever they are originally um or is this unique to buzz if it does happen to all toys shouldn't like andy's toys have some kind of onboarding program or you know some kind of like you know desensitizing program to to let him know reality but it doesn't seem like it is so this appears to be a unique to buzz Lightyear thing yeah it seems like the other toys don't really care about like their existence like buzz Mm -hmm. you know will later they don't, they just don't, yeah, they don't really care that they are, they know they're a toy, right? They don't actually think mm-hmm. they're, Rex doesn't think he's a dinosaur. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but, but, but my question. thought was when, when he was first, when he was first made, does yeah. he think he's a dinosaur? And then yeah. he had to come to that realization himself or not? Because um, if, if they all had to come to that realization, I would feel that they should, you know, get together as a group and help him realize he's a, he's just a toy as opposed to being so surprised that he doesn't get it. But it, it seems that doesn't seem to be the case. Yeah. It seems yeah. to be that Buzz, for some reason, just thinks he's Buzz and that's it. They don't mention it at all, but maybe it has to do with Buzz maybe needing batteries or something because he's got like a voice box and he's got a light hmm. and maybe, you know, you have that little that little maybe. tab that you pull out uh, so the, the toy starts working and the batteries don't get drained when they're, you know, on the in the aisle. <laughs> you, you pull out that little toy or that little tag when you're going to start playing with it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's the start of his life. Like maybe he he just woke up. I don't know. Interesting theory. Yeah, <laughs> that is different. I love I, I love this opening of Buzz though, and I actually love like Woody climbing up onto the bed because that's the only moment in the movie we see Woody kind of in awe of Buzz, and he's underneath him. You know, mm-hmm. the shot is like between his legs, and we get to see his face. That it's like, okay, this toy is really cool. But for the rest of the movie, like Woody's going to be looking down on Buzz because he's short and he's going to be bullying him and pushing him around. So it's nice to have that first moment of like, oh, yeah, he is in awe of this really cool toy, but he's going to have to play tough guy later on because of the hierarchy we've seen in Andy's room in the scene before this. Like Woody runs the show, so he he doesn't want that. uh, He doesn't want anybody to take that over. Yeah. Yeah. Very well put. Him and uh, Buzz kind of fight over just, you know, Buzz being 
Buzz and what he thinks he is and his ability to fly and stuff like that. And so to prove himself, Buzz demonstrates his flight ability and he kind of just gets lucky bounces and all this kind of stuff. And he ends up making back and it seems super awesome to everybody. We get a fantastic line well, one, we get the catchphrase, the Buzz Lightyear catchphrase before he says it, before he gets jumping. To infinity and beyond! I mean, that is just one of his yeah. classic things. I mean, so many kids have done that and, you know, oh, yeah. say that and then and then leaped off, leaped off a cliff or did something stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, how many kids did something stupid after saying to infinity and beyond? <laughs> the only thing you can do after that but, is something stupid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then we also get a, a fantastic line where Woody calls him out. That wasn't flying. That was falling with style. Absolutely true. It's a great yeah. little line. And a, and a very smart moment when Buzz goes to fly because he says he can fly around the room with his eyes closed. So his eyes are closed. So he thinks he flew. Yeah, true. Yeah, very true. Uh, we get, then get another Randy Newman song. Along top of the world, living high. Right in my pocket. <laughs> I was living the life, things were just the way they should be. With the mind of the sky like a bomb comes some little punk in a rocket. Now all of a sudden, some strange things are happening to me. Buzz Lightyear, to the rescue! Strange things are happening to me. And we kind of see that Andy is shifting from Woody to Buzz as his favorite. So right now I have another goddamn question that's been that's pissing me off already. Yeah. I'm not. I'm yeah. I'm enjoying the movie, but this is pissing me off. In this montage, Andy is seen playing with Buzz. So shouldn't Buzz know he's a toy now? <laughs> that he, you know, he's going in. Is he going inanimate involuntarily, or is he going inanimate on on his decision or whatever? You know, that, that's like when someone comes into the room, do the toys just automatically and they can't help it where they have to just stop wherever they're at? Or is it something that they actively choose to do because it's the rules? It's the world of the toys. Now, if it's not involuntary, it, ca- it then can contradict some of the world later where they choose to show Sid that they are actually alive. So right now I'm a fucking confused and i'm like what are the rules of you to- of you toys and why isn't buzz because uh, all right i'm also gonna get here, this, is, this is all here, here's, here's my one more thing john one more thing one more thing one more thing one more thing i gotta say this because mr potato had proved that he was cognizant of what happened when the baby was playing with him and he said ah you know i'm for ages four and up or whatever so he knows that he was played with by a child buzz has to then know that he's being played with by Andy, so he has to know that he's a toy. You know, it's not like he goes blank during this portion. So, what the fuck? Why is he still ignorant to being a toy at this point? That's it. That's that's it's my a, Adam. My it's gripe. a very simple answer. I know what your answer is going to be. Okay, okay. Well, then tell me, since you're so confident. <laughs> it's a fucking kids movie. That's what you're going to tell me. <laughs> no, I'm not. There's an even okay. simpler, simpler answer having to do with the sort of the psychology of the toy. Uh huh. Because Buzz does not know that he is a toy, he cannot voluntarily break the uh, whatever. Mm. So okay. until he realizes cognizantly that he is a toy, he cannot break that. So he will involuntarily go uh, into toy mode whenever someone comes in the room. When he stops that, 
he because in like the later movies he remembers things Mm -hmm. so until he breaks that mental block of him being a toy he will involuntarily go and not remember everything okay i like i'll accept that yeah i I like that from john because there are moments in the movie later on where he's not really obeying the toy rules but he can never be seen by someone you know like he gets into like Mm -hmm. the pizza planet truck but like that guy that driver can't see him yeah because the pizza Mm -hmm. boxes are in the way so i could see that once eyes are on him he just has to obey toy rules that makes sense okay all right cool Okay. I'm shutting up. But I get, Adam, I get the frustration. I totally get it because it does seem a little inconsistent there. And like, if, why? It does. Why is he just allowed to be played with? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So, all right. Um, Woody, we see him, you know, being very jealous that he's no longer the top dog. They fight a little bit. And I, you got to love the little scene where he accidentally knocks open Buzz's helmet and he, Buzz is like, And Woody in that moment is so funny. Woody just yeah, standing there and just like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. And this is also kind of where Woody legitimately realizes that that Buzz actually thinks he's Buzz Lightyear. And he's like, wow, this guy. And again, just looking down on him, really kind of bullying him. Just be like, wow, what a doofus. Then all the toys hear Sid outside. And Sid is our main villain of the movie. He is this kid who enjoys destroying toys for fun he is voiced by eric von detten who i've mentioned multiple times on this podcast and if you ever listen to our episode where we talked about the disney channel original original movie brink we're soul skaters he played andy brink brinker in that one and mm-hmm. uh i love eric von detten so apparently sid phillips was based on a real person oh really hmm. yeah it was i mean not the not the maliciousness of him but mm-hmm. uh there were apparently there was a pixar employee who used to just take toys and break them apart and create new things out of them okay okay oh nice well that's the thing sid is just like a really creative child <laughs> yeah like, yeah he's, that's true yeah he's the villain <laughs> he but really like, is creative he's a very creative child i know like i knew a sid like I, one of my friends when i was a kid was a sid and he's just a creative kid <laughs> Um, we see him blowing up a combat Carl, which apparently that combat Carl was supposed to be a GI Joe. Um, and they were going to name it GI Joe, but Hasbro didn't want to see their product blown up on screen. And Mm. so they didn't give Pixar the rights to use the GI Joe brand. Interesting. Yep. And actually similarly, Barbie was supposed to be in the movie and supposed to be the love interest for Woody and not Bo Peep. But Mattel, thought the movie was going to be really a flop or not be the hit that it was. And so they didn't give the rights for Barbie to be in this movie. After the huge success, they allowed Barbie and she appeared in the next film and and so on. Andy now, you know, we're a little bit later and Andy gets to go to Pizza Planet for dinner and he can bring a toy and he's all excited. And Woody, you know, he's he's certain that he's going to take Buzz and not him. To hinder that, he gets the idea to push Buzz down into the crevice of the bed in between the wall and the bed so that way he can't be found quickly and Andy will hopefully take Woody instead. You know, he's he's a jealous fucker right now. <laughs> so he does that or he starts to do that, but shit goes wild and Buzz get, ends up getting knocked out the window. Did anybody else notice that uh, Buzz did a, a Wilhelm scream yes, as he got knocked out the window? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Woody immediately gets get called out by Potato Head and everybody else for 
basically being malicious and pushing him out. So the other toys are about to attack Woody, but instead Andy comes in, he has to grab him and take him out to dinner. So he does that. Um, but Buzz was down on the ground. He, he actually, well, I guess he was, I'll take He had a softened blow from the bush. I was going to be like, he fell out the window. Nothing broke, but he was softened by the bush. So anyway, he grabs onto the back of the car before it goes. They, the mom is driving, she drives a minivan, and they stop at a gas station. Did anyone else notice that she had the baby seat with the young child in the front seat of the minivan? Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> she pulled into the gas station, and her the young baby, the girl, was in the front seat. And, uh, John, you don't put baby seats in the front seat, am I wrong? Uh, no, you do not. Exactly, because the the air the uh, airbag will snap their little baby necks <laughs> if it ever hits yeah. them. Yes. Now, <laughs> so. I can't remember. I know that the laws have changed. This was 1995. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if if passenger side airbags were a thing then. Mm. Oh yeah, interesting. In mid 90s, yeah, I don't don't remember. So I don't uh, I don't know for sure if that was a you know if that was a thing. Yeah. Because I remember, I mean, I've talked to my dad about it. He, you know, God, he remembers a time when I remember. Actually, I remember a time when he would drive down the road holding you in his lap while he drove, Adam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember he had this big old cargo van. He would hold you, and then the two, my, my sister and uh, I, would sit in the back of the cargo van on the wheel well, like not even like yeah. buckled yeah, yeah. in or anything like that. Yeah. Was this his big purple van? I remember that thing. No, I think it was like van. it was a big white. Car. I mean, literally, we just had the okay. two front seats and then a big back area, you know, for okay. storing stuff. So, but you were—I mean, you were very, very little. Apparently, the passenger airbag was first introduced in the mid '70s, but I can't find when, like, when they became ubiquitous. Right. So, not sure. In my mind, though, it's established that she is a danger to her children, and CPS <laughs> needs to be called. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> That's it. So, but while they go get some gas. Buzz confronts Woody, and they fight underneath the car, but the the car leaves while they're under there, and so they get stranded at the gas station. Uh, I also happen to notice that the uh, gas was $1.29 a gallon. Noice. That's pretty yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Woody tries to convince Buzz that he's a toy. We get uh, a wonderful line from Buzz here, kind of kind of responding to that, where he, where he tells Woody, You are a you weren't the real Buzz Lightyear. You're a, you're an action figure. You are a child's plaything. You are a sad, strange little man, and you have my pity. <laughs> he just cannot fathom that he is not Buzz Lightyear still. Woody then sees the Pizza Planet truck, uh, the delivery truck, and he knows that that's where they were supposed to be going. So he convinces Buzz to you know go with him because that's where a spaceship will be. Who at this point still wants to fight Zerg? Who actually, I don't think we, we never see or really meet Zerg until Toy Story 2. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, he's just yeah. he's just mentioned um, at the beginning mm-hmm. by like Buzz when he's giving his like backstory that's on the back of the box. Yeah. Yeah. So he's like the Palpatine of the Toy Story universe. Totally. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who also gets a lot uh, more interesting stuff to him in the Clone Wars, in case you're curious about that, John. A lot more Palpatine stuff. <laughs> keep selling it. Keep selling Nothing, it to John. No, yeah. John. Keep pushing. Come it's, on. It's not really helping. Come on. <laughs> it's not really helping. The more I push, John is going to be like, fuck you. He's going to he is going to do a complete 180 and say, you know, whatever I'm asking or not asking, telling him to do, he's not going to do it. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, all right. 
So they uh, they sneak into the Pizza Planet. The, we get the uh, I love some just some references that they have here, including mm. they have a whack an alien game, which is obviously a call out to the xenomorphs coming out of people's uh, the chest sure. bursters. Yeah. Come, yeah, which is awesome. How do we like so, not have a pizza uh, planet somewhere? Like, there's got to be I know. that game somewhere. <laughs> yeah, like when, it, this is like the time of pop ups, you know, all over yeah. pop up restaurants and pop up things. Having a pizza planet would just make all the sense in the world. Yep. Buzz goes into the claw machine because it's a spaceship, and that's what he's kind of thinking right. might be yeah, a spaceship. Yeah. So, and here we meet those three-eyed aliens with their wonderful little, basically, catchphrase. Greetings. I am Buzz Lightyear. I come in peace. <laughs> and we're going to get more of them, I think, in, in Toy Story 2 as well, but we really only kind of see one of them. Or see, all, one of them comes with us later, but Woody ends up kind of following to go get Buzz. But... They also noticed that Sid is there, uh, and he's just fucking around with stuff. He wants to get one of the aliens. Sid is a savant at the claw game. I will <laughs> yeah, say. he's so good. <laughs> I've never won at that claw game. I lost so many dollars and quarters into those claw games. He just nailed it. <laughs> twice. He twice. nailed it twice. In a row. He gets one of the uh, little aliens, uh, which reveals Buzz as well. And so he's like, oh, Buzz Lightyear. And he actually gets the Buzz, and Woody's attached to him, and kind of he gets them all in, uh, you know, three toys in two coins. Like, fuck, that's good. Yeah. So. Yeah, this claw, this this claw game is so funny. For these aliens just to, like, the claw is the master. He chooses. He decides. It's so funny. Like, it just sets the stage again that toys in different situations um, know, th- oh, they only know their own world, right? They only know that this thing yeah. comes down, picks them up, and takes them out, and that's their life. Yeah, very true. Yeah, they're very, to me, they're very much like that, how the minions became, like, that super oh, yeah. kind of cute side group. The, 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 these aliens were that for, uh, for Pixar, early on yeah definitely and maybe like the minions maybe overused a little in these movies i think like i think (laughs) isolated this is hilarious and i think like carrying it on Mm -hmm. and on it's still good but if it was just this moment it would have been so perfect yeah john did your kids like your kids are perfect for that minion age are they big big fans of that at all yeah they like the minions i'm pretty sure i remember your daughter particularly being a fan so uh all right so sid takes all of them home uh we meet his dog and his wonderful nice sister. I will say the animation on in this movie is fantastic. Obviously, the CG is there. I've never liked the design look of the dog. Its eyes were too big and yeah. too close together. They they screwed up that one. Everything else I think fits just fine. But the 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 dog design always bothered me for some reason. Yeah, he looks he looks bad. Um, it, he mm-hmm. looks like those eyes are just like you said, like too close together and they're like cross-eyed. It looks weird. He doesn't look like a yeah. dog. Yeah, it's kind of scary. Yeah. But in, like, a not-a-dog way. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we meet his very nice sister, who Sid is such a... God, what a dick to his sister he is. Yeah. You know, he, he steals her toy, her doll, and he, like, rips its head off, puts on a pterodactyl head and shit like that. It's just... He is a... He's a creep. Like, you know what? Well, I don't think he has a father figure. It doesn't seem like he does. Maybe he's only got the mother, but... Man, well, they need to spank his ass. <laughs> the, yeah, the the father I think is uh, sleeping in a chair. Um, yeah. Oh, that's right. Moments. We do yeah. see. The, yes. He's yes, surrounded yes, yes. by root beer cans, so I'm not sure if that's <laughs> if that's something. But I didn't notice that that's yeah. a, those were root beer cans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were. Oh well, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, alcoholism. <laughs> yeah, hilarious. 
so Woody and Buzz are left alone in their room. Um, we see some of the other toys that Sid is kind of fucked with and at first they are very creepy looking Mm -hmm. and that's kind of all we start off with we get a couple um just kind of creepy elements of them uh andy and his mom come back and the other toys think that woody ran away because you know he's not with them and and he must so he must be guilty so they're all just kind of like you know they're judging they're judging him um immediately yeah uh the next day sid just being the evil child that he is burns a little dot into woody's head and so he's got the magnifying glass that ends up burning a hole, which actually is great writing. It's something that's going to come back. It's going to remind yeah. Woody of something later. You know, we see that the other toys are kind of still freaking them out. Uh, Woody tries to run, but the dog is there, so he can't get past that. Uh, we do notice that the carpet in Sid's house uh, that we that we notice in this scene as Woody's kind of running around the top of the house is the same is designed as the same carpet from the hotel in The Shining. Oh, just just to add that extra element of creepy factor for the Sid family and Sid household. Yeah, it's it's uh it's the exact same design, which is really cool. I mean, they, that, they think of so many little Easter eggs in this movie. Yeah, that is cool because they have to make like a 10 year old boys or however old he is room look super scary. So they just have to add these mm-hmm. little tiny things um, like starting yeah. with the mutant toys to make it look like. Yeah. So <laughs> terrifying. Like that baby head crawler is just that scared me when I was when I was a kid. How I mean, how old do we think Sid is like 12? Maybe? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But they, I mean, they give him, they give him a vice. They give him like a whole fucking like, you know, see, like sawhorse and like a yeah. workbench. Like, well, I don't know. I say that, but then you know, there's a lot of people who, I know some like 12 year old kids who pretty much their dads like, here's your first gun. Not to say it's a bad thing. I don't think get guns are a bad thing or doing all that, but. I don't know. I just find it interesting that he's got like all these legit toys. Well, he's probably not supposed to have them. Yeah, so. well, he's he like, not supposed to have all this blow stuff. He like ordered fireworks or something, didn't he? Like get a box of fireworks yeah. at some point. Like maybe his mom he could open that up and check what was inside there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We need to let's dive into the uh, the parenting structure from both Andy's mom, who yeah. we know is a danger to her children, and then also Sid's parents. Like yes. this is this Pixar like Toy Story is riddled with poor parenting. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Woody's drawstring at this point ends up uh, catching and waking up the dog. Uh, it ends up kind of chasing them around. Buzz gets chased into that room, and that's where we see the all the root beer cans and the, yeah, and yeah. the father figure, we guess. Um, but also, it's where Buzz sees a TV commercial for his toy, for him. Yeah. And this is where he realizes, oh, shit, he's just a toy. Uh, did either of you recognize... Who that TV commercial announcer was? Buzz Lightyear, the world's greatest superhero, now the world's greatest toy. Buzz has it all: blocking wrist communicator, blowing Buzz Lightyear, karate chop action, pulsating laser light, multi-phase voice simulator. In the secret mission in uncharted space. In the secret mission in uncharted space. And best of all, high pressure space wings. No infinity. And beyond. Not a flying toy. Get your Buzz Lightyear action figure and save a galaxy near you! Buzz Lightyear! Um, I think it was Penn Gillette, wasn't it? It was Penn Gillette. Yeah. yeah I mean, if, just a quick little voiceover that worked that he did there, but I don't know. I, it's nice to hear his voice. I love Penn Gillette. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that he gets his little his little TV spot. It's great. Uh, then we get another Randy Newman song while we see Buzz being sad. Out among the stars In my silver ship I sailed The dream it ended too soon 
This this one's yeah. this one's heartbreaking. Yeah, like yeah, this song, exactly. like this song is when he's doing the climb, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is, I, I'll call it heartbreaking, but this is my least favorite of the Randy Newman songs in this. Really, movie. really? I thought it. Yeah, but I would say by far. Okay, I find it. I find it very effective because it's like it's the moment that. It's the moment that mm. Buzz realizes he's a toy. He's having this existential crisis that he'd never had before. He's a toy. Like, we're in a kid movie, and he's like, why do I exist? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. And he, like, the the words of the song just go so well with what he's doing, right? He's so dejected. Yeah. He's just standing in that hallway. He looks outside the window, and then the Randy Newman song's like, no, it can't be true. I can fly if I want to. He climbs up. Yeah. He jumps and just no, falls down. Wrong broken like arm yeah. breaks off it's so it's just so sad the emotion is there yeah 100 i just think the song kind of sucks <laughs> I, i'm with dean on this one i don't think the song okay. sucks and in fact i think it's probably his second best well-crafted song in the entire movie okay all right well i'd agree with that yes fine be that way <laughs> I, I, the, the, I, I would say the scene itself is a good scene because yeah. yes the the existential quandary that he has to deal with and you know all of that just internalism of who am i what am i all that kind of stuff i just whatever yeah. fine moving on <laughs> uh, <laughs> adam doesn't like it when people don't agree with him oh really? damn straight because I, I should be right uh the song <laughs> i just don't think the song the song's not that good anyway pity falls he breaks his arm off uh, Sid's sister finds him. Woody then kind of sees him, you know, being played with in a tea party where he's referred to as Mrs. Nesbitt. Yeah. And he's kind of he's kind of loopy. And this is a funny, funny scene here where uh, Woody has to uh, has to kind of pull him back and get him ready. Woody calls for the other toys from Sid's bedroom. Um, but Sid, you know, but Buzz is still pretty depressed. So or he calls the other toys like his main toys, the Rex, the pot, the potato head and all that stuff. Buzz still kind of dealing with this stuff. He doesn't want to. A great little joke where Woody's like, Buzz, can you give me a hand? And he throws up his tossed off arm. Like, that's great. That is really good humor. As he's trying to make that escape and do that, you know, we'll we'll go across to our house with the Christmas lights. You know, because Buzz isn't going up there and not helping him with any of this kind of stuff, everyone else is very skeptical about it, Mr. Potato Head in particular. And and at, at one point, Woody accidentally shows the ripped off arm and they're all like, Oh my God, this is disgusting. You killed him. You're, you're maiming him. Um, and so they basically drop the, uh, the lifeline and pretty much leave Woody to die at Sid's place. Yeah. And we have a, a sort of a heartbreaking moment with, uh, with Slinky going off and like Woody just mm-hmm. pleading to him. Cause that's, that's Woody's number one guy, right? That's who yep. like you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. on in the podcast, Slinky always had his back. He was always the kiss ass to Woody. Right. And so just Slinky being the one to be the last person to close the blinds. It's uh it's effective. So the creepy toys then all kind of surround buzz and engulf him. And Woody think is thinking that, you know, they're, they're cannibals. They, they mentioned that earlier. And so I think he's, they're trying to kill him, which is funny that they would say that because toys don't eat. So yeah, they, <laughs> it's really weird. Cannibals. Yeah, but instead they end up fixing him, and he's got his arm back. And it's we find out that they're really nice. They're just they're the island of misfit toys kind of thing. They're they're yeah. they're good people. Sid comes in, and he's got this new firework that you mentioned up. This big ass rocket. He straps it onto Buzz's uh, back, and uh, luckily though some rain comes, so they'll have to wait before he actually does it. So uh, we also notice that Woody gets 
kind of trapped under this uh, uh, like a little egg crate. And uh, Buzz, or sorry, not Buzz, Sid sets a toolbox on top of it, just kind of weights it down. That toolbox that Buzz has to help push off of him um, right around here. Did you guys notice who made that toolbox? No. Who made it? Binford. Oh, no way. Oh. Yes, Binford is the fake company from uh, Home Improvement that yeah. obviously Tim Allen was on. That's so, yeah, awesome. It was a Binford toolbox. It is really cool. But yeah, so they have to try and escape. Buzz is, you know, Woody still has to coax him. He has to convince him that it's really a good thing to be a toy, you know, and he's super cool. He's one of the coolest toys. And Buzz kind of comes to this realization and he's kind of, you know, he's now he's on board. So, um, but actually in this point, even Woody is now realizing, well, fuck, if Buzz is so cool, he, but Woody kind of goes into his own spiral for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Woody finally kind of admits that he thinks Buzz is cool and, mm-hmm. and gives Buzz yeah. another purpose. Like, says, like, yeah, okay, you're a toy, but, like, your job is to please that boy across the street. Like, he needs to be... <laughs> Did you <laughs> when use it, other when words I said it? <laughs> when I said it, I knew it was bad. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. You know, cancel yeah. that point. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. I mean, it's a good... It's a, it's a good point. Um, so yeah, Buzz pushes off the toolbox, and they, uh, you know, they want to make their escape. But Sid wakes up, and he takes the rocket strap Buzz outside. And Woody formulates a plan. He decides he, he needs the help from those other kind of creepy toys to stop Sid. So he gets outside with Sid, and all the other ones kind of do as well. And they team up to scare the living shit out of Sid, and they kind of show him that they're alive. And you just, that is a, but creepy, but such a fun scene right there. Totally. Yeah. Their, their whole like elaborate plan, um, of all, like with all the mutant toys involved just to get to that point where Woody can freak the shit out of Sid and probably fuck Mm -hmm. him up for life. (laughs) (laughs) It's so, it's so exciting. It is. Yeah. Uh, Woody and Buzz have to leave to go to the moving truck, um, which the only thing I don't really like is I wish they could have found a way to save all of Sid's toys because they don't they don't deserve that life. Mm, you know, yeah. I want them out of there. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, Buzz and Woody had to move on, you know, for their storyline. Um, so we just kind of unfortunately lose uh, Sid's toys. But I, you know, I'm, I'm hoping they find their own way out. <laughs> yeah, it's a really good <laughs> point. Guess. Yeah. I never even thought about that. Yeah, they need <laughs> they're just still stuck in that horrible home. Yeah. Maybe Sid will treat them <laughs> better. Like, yeah, I, I kind of I referred him to kind of the Island of Misfits toys. And John, when we talked about that, that Rudolph movie way back a couple Christmases ago, mm-hmm. you said that they re they redid that ending animation because so many kids were like, what happened to the Island of Misfit toys? Did they get off or, you know, did they find homes? Right. And that's exactly where I am with those with those kids toys i'm like are they just gonna be forever in a cycle of pain uh, and, and right. torture from sid or can they maybe hopefully maybe all just go to his sister's room yeah and be happier there i don't know but who anyways. knows yeah so uh woody and buzz they go to try and get to the moving truck but they don't make it uh we do see the license plate for the minivan as it drives away while they're under it and it's uh a113 mm-hmm. which uh, is, is we actually there was um, we mentioned a one thirteen in our review of uh, Brave Little Toaster. Yeah, that was uh, an apartment in that one, and a one thirteen is an inside joke and an Easter egg um, in different media and movies and TV shows uh, created by the alumni of the California Institute of the Arts. So it refers to the classroom that was used by graphic design and character animation students. Cool, which is really cool. So you see it in a lot of stuff, not just Pixar, but Pixar had. 
uh, people from that those classes. So yeah, but uh, um, a lot of the guys from this movie were also worked on the Brave Little Toaster. I'm pretty sure John Lasseter worked on it as well. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. So I, so. I think, I think that movie was like a precursor to what would become Pixar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Woody and Buzz chase the truck, but Sid's dog comes chasing them because of course you got to add more drama it's not chasing a truck and all that shit isn't drama enough you got to have this this dog who grabs woody buzz jumps onto the dog to save him leaving woody on the truck woody opens up the back door he's a strong little fucker (laughs) totally (laughs) yeah he opens up that back uh the back hatch and there was not a lot of he got very lucky that the toys were in a box at the very back of the moving truck as well and it didn't seem all that didn't he see all that well tightly packed in that moving truck if it yeah. was me that's just my little uh side note <laughs> yeah no it but, is true yeah it's it's not like they're at the bottom of a stack or something yeah no they're all there um and he kind of busts open the boxes and he finds rc the rc uh, remote control car yeah. and pulls him out the back and he kicks him out the back of the moving truck and all the other toys are freaking out because they think he's trying to kill again um, but what he does is he takes RC. This is a this is a great action scene right here. Yeah. Where he takes RC to pick up Buzz, but the other toys are all pissed off at Woody, and so they throw him off the truck. And it's all you know, it's all just haywire right now. Buzz and RC ends up kind of grabbing Woody as well, but they're not going fast enough. But now here, thanks to them all being together, the other toys notice. Yay! Okay, he wasn't lying to us. We don't feel all that bad. <laughs> but yeah. whatever. I guess we'll try to help them. We're trying to help them come back on. Now another big issue I've got right here. They lower the uh, like the hydraulic little lift on the moving truck, and the moving truck is still going. If you are driving a moving truck and you are starting to drag the ramp or whatever, you know it. You hear it. You feel it. Yeah. Sparks flying out the back. Yes, exactly. <laughs> maybe they don't. Maybe they're just like you know have the music cranked up way loud, and they don't ever look at their rearview mirrors. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Maybe that is it. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that seems like a very strange point. Yeah. Great writing right before that though with the RC because mm-hmm. it is the toy that got Woody into trouble in the beginning, and now it's the only toy mm. that can save Buzz. So True. a nice. Ah, I like yeah, that. Nice little Chekhov's gun yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, very, very true. But, you know, they, they are not going fast enough and they just kind of get stuck behind. And then Woody realizes, oh, my God, you, we can use the rocket and try and, you know, we have a match and that, that Sid kind of put into him because he was going to burn him up. Um, and so they try to use that. Woody lights the match and then a car comes whooshing right over them and <laughs> removes the flame from the match. Oh, shit. Again, good writing. So he's all kind of down in the dumps. Yeah, such a win, such a win loss there. You know, such like a huge yeah. high moment, and then immediately low. Yeah, <laughs> but then he notices the kind of reflection off of Buzz's helmet, and you know, equates that to the uh, the burn in his head, and so he puts Buzz's head in the right place to light the rocket, which they fly. And I gotta call out the animation of Woody's face in particular as they're going fast. <laughs> is just hilarious it's, it yeah. is it's so well done yeah definitely it's that it's that whole um putting that the like the wind machine into your mouth like mm-hmm. that whole funny that's never not funny right <laughs> and he's got exactly. that whole thing never, happening never not yeah uh so they at first get rc into the moving truck which is still dragging the uh, hydraulic lift and nobody's stopping it but whatever so they get that in there and then buzz uh they're about to kind of keep flying up and they're like, oh, shit, we're going to blow up up here. And he's like, nope, we're not going to. And he ejects his uh, his wings or they, they sprout out. And then 
he kind of glides his way down and they go past the truck, but they go into the minivan right into the box right next to Andy. And he even makes a cute little call out where Buzz says, you know, oh, because Woody's all like, oh, my God, we're flying. He said, no, we're not flying. Hey, Buzz, you're flying. This isn't flying. This is falling with style. A great callback, you know, but but flipped and reversed. And yay, they made it. They're safe with Andy again. This is super cute. Can I make one complaint? Yes. And this is, yeah, I've made a bunch. <laughs> this is stupid because you have to suspend so much disbelief. That is the one part of this movie that I have an issue with is that those wings would not cause them to glide. Yeah. <laughs> They're not big enough. They would fall like a freaking rock. And that's the only thing that bothers me, which is stupid because of all the stuff you have to kind of, you mm-hmm. know, believe in order to make this movie real. But the fact that he can glide with those plastic ring- wings uh, is the only part that has ever bothered me about the movie. That's interesting. Yeah, that toy should just drop straight down. Yeah, that is, that is a good yeah. point. Yeah, and we're we're accepting that toys like when we're not looking can talk and like have a society and everything. But like, I get it though. It's like that's what he's made out of, and well, I don't think he would glide. It seems like every other part of this movie, they're they're basically following the rules of physics. Yeah, except for mm-hmm. this one. Yeah, yeah. We cut to kind of a future time. It's Christmas, and they're kind of very kind of calling back to the birthday where they're having the army men do some recon about what the presents are and they're listening for new toys. Sister gets a Mrs. Potato Head. Yay. Which, who actually becomes a prominent character in the next movie. Mm-hmm. And the kids get a puppy. Ha ha ha. It's cute. <laughs> and uh, then the credits roll and we get You Got a Friend in Me again, but this time it's the duet version with Lyle Lovett singing with him. Cool. Rough ahead and your miles and miles from your nice warm bed. You just remember what your old past said. Boy, you got a friend in me. Yeah, you've got a friend in me. All right, so that is Toy Story. That I'm gonna go ahead and start, and then we'll go from me to Dean to John. How about that? Um, sure. I make my little comments and I make my little jabs because, you know, I, I very much care about the world of the film and I, I, like, I like to know what the rules are. And so when I get confused, I call it out. But there's no way you can shit on this film. No. This is a great movie. It is so fun. It's so well done. The animation, holy shit, the animation holds up. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about just like just the look of them. Yeah, they set the world of the look for that Pixar world for Toy Story really well. But the way that these characters move is still so fluid and so realistic. Like, as you put it, like they, John, you mentioned they really use the world, the real world of physics. And they do that with these toys where mm-hmm. I believe that these toys can do it. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, they don't do weird feats of strength other than lifting that door and doing that glide. <laughs> right. Everything else feels like it's grounded in reality. And the way that they're moving and the way that everything is done... Pixar just, they obviously established themselves as the heaviest hitter of computer animation with this film. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and besides that, the story is amazing. The voice acting is amazing. This is a great movie that if I ever have a kid one day, I will be excited to watch it. I hope they don't watch it three times in one day, but if they do, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be okay with it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I agree. I, I think it's a fantastic movie. Like I said, I, I loved it when I was a kid. Um, but then there was a big gap, many, many years where I did not watch this movie. I didn't watch it into my teenage years. I didn't watch it into my early 20s. But I have been revisiting it like recently, um, I guess maybe leading up to when four was coming out. I think I did a whole marathon mm-hmm. of rewatching them. And I just that's when I kind of re-fell in love with it of just how amazing it looked for the time. And the story like the characters they're they you always say like oh i like a animated film that you know has adult jokes in it that's not even really what it is it's like there's adult emotions in this like there's characters Mm -hmm. that you can relate to as an adult because you know how that feels like as a kid you know how it feels to be jealous of you know maybe a new sibling or something like that but as an adult you know how it feels to be jealous of something too you know someone gets that promotion Mm -hmm. over you and you're like ah there i'm better i'm the one that should be getting it so I, i love these just all these emotions it takes me through. And when I was watching the movie, back when I was preparing for Toy Story 4, I kind of did a marathon with 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. And it really, I, I really got to feel about like that nostalgia of playing with toys and like, oh, where did that go? I, I, I just have my toys in a duffel bag in the basement. And like, I, they want to be played. I, obviously, it's a movie, right? But I get these <laughs> feelings. I'm like, they want to be played with. Like, so I actually went into the basement <laughs> took after I watched Toy Story 1, took out my duffel bag of toys and sat them up on the couch with me to watch 2 and 3 <laughs> because <laughs> I was like, they have not been out of that duffel bag in 15 years or more. I was like, they deserve to watch a couple movies with me. And then I put them back in the duffel bag and they're back in the basement now. But it's just yeah. <laughs> like a movie can make me feel like that. A movie can make me pull out my toys from the basement and sit them beside mm-hmm. me. I mean, I just, yeah, I, I love it. I get so into these movies. And this is the one, you know, the one that started it all. Um, just great. Uh, gosh, I, I don't know if I'm really going to be able to follow that. Uh, largely, I pretty much agree with everyone. It is a great film. And uh, yeah, I've seen it a lot, you know, in, in the last 10 years or so. But it's it, that doesn't diminish the quality of the film. Um, the animation, you're right, still does work. You can definitely tell the difference between like one and two to three. Like they're getting better mm-hmm. with the animation. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, that it's still believable how they're moving speaks volumes to how much effort they put into it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, if anybody out there hasn't watched Toy Story, which I think would be very few, if any of mm-hmm. our listeners have not watched it, go check it out. You know, honestly, even if you don't have kids, it is so, so worth it. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now we are talking Reboot. This is a show that went from 1994 to 2001, kind of sporadically. It had uh, four different seasons, 47 total episodes. It was created by Gavin Blair, Ian Pearson, Phil Mitchell, and John Grace, who are all pretty much mostly just known for this show. It was the very first, uh, you know, half-hour computer animated TV show, and um, it's set in this, you know, inner world of a computer system uh, known by its inhabitants inhabitants as Mainframe, and it was uh, produced by the Vancouver-based Mainframe Entertainment and Alliance Communications and BLT Productions, which is the same team that did my beloved Transformers Beast Wars. Mm, I love Beast Wars, so this is the same team for that. The cast on this show... Bob, who is our initial main uh, protagonist, he is voiced by Michael Benier. Alpha wing clear of deck. Proceed heading one one three eight. Stay frosty. He is an actor who was killed by Ajax in the Deadpool movie. Uh, he has a small part in that. Interesting. And I probably know him best as Haji in the Real Adventures of Johnny Quest. 
Oh. That's who did the voice of that. Uh, Dot Matrix was Kathleen Barr. If Megabyte wants something, Bob, it's everybody's problem. She's done voices on Ed, Ed, and Eddie, Dragon Tales, plenty of other stuff. Enzo was voiced by five different people, including the adult Enzo. Um, but yeah, so just totally different people throughout. And none of them really were men- mentioning, so I wasn't going to talk about that. Megabyte was voiced by the awesome Tony J. A wise decision, Guardian. I won't disappoint you. Love Megabyte's voice in this show. Uh, you know Tony J from Hunchback of Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Beauty and the Beast. He was also John very recently. He was the voice of Chairface Chippendale yeah. in The Tick. Yep. Oh, cool. Fong was voiced by Michael Donovan. Ah, Megabyte. My advice is to stay away from him. The command comm has tried to erase him at every upgrade, but he's a very clever virus. Who has done the voice of Count Dooku in most all of the Lego Star Wars video games and shows stuff. And also, he was also in the... uh, uh, in Force Awakens, but his voice was in Force Awakens, where he was the voice, the, he was the PA announcer on the Star Killer base uh, <laughs> in Force Awakens. <laughs> and uh, if you guys watched X Men Evolution, he was the voice of Sabretooth in that, which okay. I liked X Men Evolution personally. Yeah. <laughs> and then no one else I really feel like I need to mention. But first, I want to hear, Dean, you know, this was one that, you know, when we were kind of like, we got to get you on the show, what's something you want to talk about? You brought up Reboot. You know, what is special to Reboot for you? You know, what's nostalgic about it? You know, did you watch the show when you were younger, etc.? Yes, I loved this show when I was growing up. You know, it was a Canadian show. We had a, a network called YTV, and it just played on there. You know, I, it was. I always wanted to come home and watch reboot. It was probably that and like Spider Man. Uh, that was like kind of my top mm-hmm. two shows. When rewatching it, like now, it's like, how did I even understand it? I don't know what I liked about it, <laughs> but like, uh-huh. it's it's kind of difficult to understand. So I don't I don't know what I liked, but I definitely was really yeah. into. Maybe it was even just the CGI of it all. Like it, it looked like mm. a video game. I remember getting. I didn't play a lot of video games, but I remember getting the reboot video game because I just wanted to be in that world and play with Bob and play with Enzo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I have a huge nostalgia for it. Loved it. Had not watched it since watching it as a kid and in prep for this podcast i was you Mm -hmm. know gonna see how much i could get through i was just gonna start and just see how much i could get through i got totally addicted to it i watched the (laughs) i watched the entire first three seasons the fourth season is like happens four years later and it was kind of just two movies that they put together um so Mm -hmm. it the show ends after season three basically like it's a nice clean ending i watched it all and i absolutely loved it like this show i think is very smart very complex really worked for me now as an adult i can't really i can't really see how it worked for me as a kid but it did um maybe Mm -hmm. just like computer talk you know i was like oh cool like that computers were for me at that time being like eight or nine it's like oh computer is a big thing you know like you can play games on the computer and maybe i just got really into it for that but yeah absolutely (laughs) loved it this time around Uh, I was a reboot fan as well growing up. This was a show that was, I wouldn't say like my massive regular rotation, but I saw all of the first three seasons. Um, I don't know if I saw those, the two movies that kind of came out that turned into season four, but I definitely saw season one, two, and three when I was younger and enjoyed the show. This is one that I I had on the list that I wanted to to redo because I remember it was just a lot of fun. And I remember that whole, you know, the growing up of Enzo and um, Andrea and uh, and seeing them go from like those kids and seeing them be real badasses mm-hmm. later on the show 
And yeah, this this was this was a fun action adventure, and it didn't look like anything else on TV at the time, so it was really cool. John, though, is this a show that you knew at all? Is this a show that you watched? I have no memory of the show whatsoever. Okay. Never saw it before. Didn't remember it. Don't think I'd ever mm. heard of it. Didn't look familiar. Nothing about this wow. was familiar to me. Yeah. As Dean mentioned, it was first broadcast on Saturday mornings in Canada on YTV, and in the U.S., it came out on ABC. Right. At least the first two seasons came out on ABC. And the series follows the adventures of a guardian named Bob, at least the earlier stuff. Well, I mean, all Bob does reappear later on in season three as well. Um, and his companions, Enzo and Dot Matrix, as they work to keep the computer system uh, of mainframe safe from the viruses known as Megabyte and Hexadecimal who are our main uh, antagonists for the show. And I loved, I mean, I can't remember, I didn't, I didn't mention who did the voice for Hexadecimal, but, I mean, she is fun, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. she, she is a crazy villain. She's, she is a lot of fun for that one. My format, Virus, the queen of chaos. Uh, I think in later seasons, Enzo and Andrea, when they grow up, they start dating and they become like an item as well. You really notice in season one, um, I kind of I, I had the same thoughts that you did, Dean, where I was a little bit confused reading watches. I didn't watch everything through. Mm-hmm. I picked apart. I watched a couple from season one and two. And then I also watched about three episodes from season three. Watching like that first episode and watching a couple of the others in those early seasons, I was like, well, this is kind of confusing and it's kind of hard to really get into the world of mainframe and understand how things work and all this kind of stuff they just kind of are there and there's not much of that setup so even me as an adult I mean I understand that stuff better than mm-hmm. you know most kids um, but at the same time it was just like it just kind of comes out of nowhere and and how how I fully got into it when I was younger I'm not sure but it was yeah it, it was it was still cool it was still fun with the computer stuff Yeah, like, they made a world with, like, their own language, right? Mm -hmm. Like, they're calling things by the names of, like, a bunch of things in computer systems. So it's hard to just drop in and watch an episode and know what they're talking about. It's more like you have to Mm -hmm. watch so many seasons of it and be like, okay, I know what it means when they say that because now I know the language of of mainframe. I mean, I'm not sure if I was just like, oh, wow, here's cool animation of people battling villains inside a computer. Like, maybe that's just what I thought as a kid. But um, so there's a stark difference in the style of season three compared to seasons one and two yeah uh the show gets darker it gets aged up um not just because their characters get aged up but apparently abc was bought out by disney and they decided not to continue with reboot and abc had a lot of constraints on the show and they had to make things very very like pg and you know it couldn't have much action and any of that kind of stuff and so when abc dropped the show after season two basically the writers like fuck it we're gonna make what we want and so they really darkened up the show they made it much more adult and i just gonna say that season three is fantastic like watching it now as an adult like i had trouble with the earlier episodes and they were like eh these are okay but when i was watching the season three stuff i was like holy shit this is what i remember really really and this is like this is the kind of shit that is going to get people into like that cult classic style of of uh of reboot because i mean it, it, it had great action in season three it had really funny jokes they kind of upped up they i wouldn't say they upped up the sex 
um, the sex appeal mm-hmm. and stuff, but they they got away with more of that kind of stuff where it was just more interesting, um, and they had a lot more like cultural pop culture references in season three that I thought worked really well. But yeah, like there is a huge difference. Yeah, between that, I, I think season three is one of the best cartoon seasons there is. I think just the lead up to it and then what they did with it, like the drastic shift of it is so impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, we can uh, we can get into it uh, if we want to later. I don't know if I want to jump right get to it, now. it right now. Jump, jump into whatever you want. I mean, the, the, well, the only thing I wanted to mention before we kind of get into our final thoughts. I mean, yeah. I brought up all the kind of facts that I want to uh, was the theme song. I come from the net through systems, peoples and cities to this place. Mainframe. My format, Guardian, to mend and defend, to defend my newfound friends, their hopes and dreams, to defend them from their enemies. And the theme song is basically Bob narrating at the top. Actually, it kind of shifts over to Megabyte narrating and then Enzo narrating, depending yeah. on you know different parts throughout yeah. the season. Gets to Dot at some point. Yeah. It has just got nice little kind of cinematic you know action. It's a good action theme song. It's not a top theme song for me personally, but it is a, it's a good theme song. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It, it, yeah, it sets the tone nicely, I think, with that voiceover at the start. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's let's, I mean... If there's any other facts you want to bring up, but like, yeah, let's just get into our your thoughts on just fully rewatching the show and and where you felt it is for you now rewatching it. Yeah, I so rewatching it in sort of a matter of uh, a week and a half to two weeks, I was just like binging it, just watching episode after episode. And as I got deeper and deeper into those first two seasons, things started to stand out to me like, oh, they're making a ton of movie references that I I definitely Mm -hmm. wasn't picking up on earlier. So now I'm going to look for it. You know, they have this thing in the show where they're in a computer system and a game can enter the system. Bob's job is to go in and stop the user from winning the game, because Mm -hmm. if the user wins the game, then that section of mainframe is destroyed. So now you have this other aspect of the show where it's also a video game. Like you have you have their life in this society of mainframe, but then they also have these sections where there's a video game and they can have fun with that. And when I started to realize that those video games are based off of video games, they're based off of movies. Like there's one that's just completely uh, Mad Max. And there's like another mm-hmm. one that's a James Bond one. There's another one that's like yeah. X-Files. And it's like, okay, once I start doing this, now I want to pay more attention and see what happens sometimes games don't even show up and I'm thinking, well, okay, what's going on? Like, it's not just a very like ABC structure, you know, it's like, it's very complex. Some episodes are just about megabytes. Some episodes are about megabyte and hexadecimal. Some episodes are about Enzo, you know, they just kind of bounce around all these characters. So I was really getting into it. And then season two comes to an end where everything in main everybody in mainframe had to come together and battle like basically the web Mm -hmm. like they had opened up a portal to the web and there was creatures coming in um so they all had to come together and megabyte before destroying the portal launches bob into it so bob your main character for two seasons is gone and now season three starts and enzo a kid has to try to be the guardian be the protector he gets four episodes where he like gets to try that 
and then he ends up losing a game in the fourth episode. It's like a Mortal Kombat. I, I yeah. did watch that episode, that Mortal Kombat game. It's a, it's a really well done um, episode. Absolutely unbelievable episode. So good. It looks so good. Yeah, he's fighting a Mortal Kombat game and he gets so close and he loses at the end. But he has been able to he's been able to turn himself into game sprite mode. Um, this is just something that happened just before this. He was able to switch his like reboot pin into turning him into a game sprite so he can live in the game. So he does that right before the game's over. And now he's this character who's hopping from game to game. It's like a Doctor Who kind of thing. He's hopping from game to game and going from system to system trying to find his way back home. And the like emotions that he goes through, the sense of failure he has, he bulks himself up so he can never lose a game again. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just amazing the emotion and like the darkness that they bring you to with Enzo and his character journeying back to find his way home, to find Bob, to find his sister Dot that thinks he's dead because when you're in a game and mm-hmm. you lose, you die. Yeah, it's. I think that season three is so incredible for those reasons. I wholeheartedly agree. Season three is awesome. Was I the only one who thought Andrea was super hot when she got older in season three? She was super hot when she got older. You're correct. (laughs) (laughs) She was super annoying as a kid and then super hot. (laughs) Yeah. And Andrea Andrea actually gets like four to eight really solid episodes where she is great. She's a great character. Mm -hmm. And then as soon as Bob returns, she gets sidelined, which is unfortunate. Um, But that's what happened. Uh, yeah, uh, you, I couldn't really say it better than you. I, I felt very similar about the show. Uh, I really enjoyed rewatching it. Um, this early one's only okay, but then when I got to season three yeah. stuff, I was like, oh, wow, this is a show I could see myself going back and rewatching and kind of getting more of that depth. And, and you know, I just, there's so much good action in season three. I, I, and I, the, the voice acting was solid. Tony J, Mega, Megabyte was just, oh, God, he's such a great voice. Like a yeah. great villain yeah. voice on that one too. So, um, yeah. So I really enjoyed it as well. You know, I, I was really happy to go do it again. Now let's hear from John, who had never even heard of this show, and he's usually consistent about his thoughts <laughs> when he's never heard of a show. And so I'm kind of curious. Okay, interesting. <laughs> what, I want to hear this. Yeah. So I have a quick question. Did either of you watch the live action TV series that was on Netflix? The Guardian Code. Uh, no, I didn't watch that at okay. all. So I accidentally watched one episode about a week ago. Um, just I was flipping, I was flipping through like TV, just like on satellite, and I was like, "Wait a second! I remember this was a thing." And I clicked on it, and it is definitely tailored towards younger kids. Okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't like it. Oh no! <laughs> I knew. I knew. I, uh, I knew you wouldn't. I I watched the first two episodes and stopped. Oh, no. And I did show this to my kids. Um, I I said, hey, we got to watch this. I sat down. We watched two episodes. After two episodes, my daughter, it was either my daughter or my son, actually. It might have been both, came up to me and said, do we have to keep watching this? Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I said, no, Uh, we don't. And I turned it off. (laughs) But, John, I just poured out my heart about how much I love it. Did that not change your opinion at all? (laughs) <laughs> no, I appreciate and respect your opinion, and because I don't have any kind of nostalgic tie yeah. to it, I can't, you know, I mean, I wouldn't, you know, I, I have nostalgic ties to movies that are horrible, and, that, you know, everyone's everyone's got their own thing, but for me, uh, I cannot imagine myself ever going back to watch this ever, ever again. Cool. Dark. <clears throat> That was okay. season three right there of uh, a reboot. Yeah, exactly. We started off all nice and lovey, and then we yeah. went real fucking deep and dark. <laughs> Thanks, John. 
So. Are you really that surprised, Adam? No, I knew it. I guess when and it's very similar enough stuff that you're nostalgic for that I wasn't. I typically don't care for rewatching as a as an adult, and you're the same way. When I when we watched like Brink, when we watched any of these kind of stuff that. <laughs> I was a big fan of, and you didn't watch. You're just like, yeah, that's stupid. I don't want to watch that. <laughs> so, awesome. Yeah, you're on brand, John. All right. <laughs> I am nothing if not consistent. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Let's uh, let's move on to a live casting then. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by... Today we celebrate the first glorious anniversary of the information purification directives. We have created for the first time in all history a garden of pure ideology where each worker may bloom, secure from the pests of a contradictory computer will introduce Macintosh and you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984 all right as we mentioned at the top we are going to be recasting reboot as a live action movie tv series however you want to do it i'll be honest i completely forgot to do this casting until about nine o'clock last night cool (laughs) so my casting was hastily put together uh, not that it really mattered because they don't know the show that well, and they only watched a couple episodes. I don't really know the characters so well, so I just kind of went with p- actors I liked mm-hmm. <laughs> in a mm-hmm. possible in the impossible role. Um, I tried to to pick some unexpected ones and and tried to pick some uh, some good actors, and who knows? I probably you're probably not going to like any of my choices, but that's fine. I'm not sure I like any of my choices. <laughs> It'll be fine. We'll probably like some of them. We'll judge you on them. We'll see. That's fine. <laughs> you know what? As long as you, as long as I don't get a, uh, that's a stupid choice. Then that's fine. Okay. You probably won't get that from me. If I get a meh, that's I'll I'll you... take that as a win. Okay. Cool. I see. I I enjoy giving John that. That's a stupid choice. Oh yeah. Like that's that's just yeah. yeah. I mean, because sometimes he makes stupid choices, and so I have to let him know. Of course. How stupid. They it's are. your job as the brother to do that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And. uh... Yeah, you know what? I'm not going to go into that. All right. <laughs> so we are going to recast the characters of Bob, Dot Matrix, Enzo Matrix, Megabyte, Hexadecimal, Fong, and Andrea. Is it Andrea? Yeah. Andrea. Gentlemen, let's jump into it. Adam, who did you pick for Andrea? Uh, all right. So you will find out very quickly that I I put season three in a much more higher pedestal. Mm. And so I did not cast. And you also, if you listen to the podcast, you know, I hate casting kids. Um, it's just tough. I, I, I don't like doing, it. I mean, if I can avoid it, I will. And I could because they grow up in this show. So I'm like, you know what? In my movie, I'm doing much more of a season three thing where Bob isn't particularly the star of my movie. Enzo is going to be, you know, who, who also, who, just later goes by Matrix, he is going to be kind of my star where early on, you know, it's going to be a kind of one of those movies where early on Bob 
will either die off or he gets taken away and then Enzo kind of has to go through his journey and he grows up. And so that actor, um, and the same with Andrea, you know, they'll, they'll have cast some no names for the kids for like the first, you know, act or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then my grownups are going to take over and they're really going to be the stars. Okay. So my Andrea, um, I wanted somebody who ha- can deal with action. She's done action. She's got great range in her action, everything from comedy to utter badassness. Um, she's done some good stuff with makeup, and so I think she would have to do that, you know, or deal with some of that kind of stuff that she has seen before in the Mar- in the uh, Marvel universe. She may not have all of the great curves that Andrea had, but actually in the movies of the um, the Jumanji movies, she definitely showed some curves. Uh, but she's just a, a great actress. I've used her a couple times. Karen Gillan is my Andrea or Andrea. I think she's awesome. She was Nebula in yeah. the Gardens of the Galaxy yeah. movies and stuff like that. She's she's awesome, and I want to see more of her. And I've cast her before, but I don't care. I love that. I love that, Adam. That's a great casting. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I love me some Karen Gillan. I was a big Doctor Who fan, so mm-hmm. I, I've uh, never, yeah. you know, you could cast Karen Gillan as Bob, and I still would have been like, yeah, great choice. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Yeah. Fantastic. Job. Fair enough. All right. Uh, I did cast mine as a kid. Uh, because I only watched the first two yeah. <laughs> uh, episodes, and so I was like, eh, I'm not going to bother with the other one, because I didn't, I didn't know how they were when they grew up. So I just picked mm-hmm. a kid who looked like a kid. So A kid? Uh, most kids I, do. Yeah, most kids do. <laughs> yeah. um, I think actually, this one might, she might be a not little... Not Benjamin Button. She might be a Hello. little bit uh, Sorry. <laughs> older, but um, well, she's like in her mid to late teens right now, but that's fine enough. Um, I picked, uh, she's a good actress. Uh, she's actually most known for doing uh, voice work. Um, but she was recently in the show. I can't remember if it's a show or a movie. I think it's a movie eighth grade. I remember it got a lot of critical acclaim. Oh yeah. Yeah. Movie. Um, but she's best known for being the voice of little Agnes in the despicable me movies. And her name is Elsie Fisher. Okay. Yeah. I'm, she's getting to be a a pretty big little actress. Yeah. I'm I'm totally cool with that one. Going that route. Okay. All right. Let's move on. Dean, who'd you pick? So I took this really seriously because I know y'all take this casting really seriously. So I just wanted to come in here with the best that I could. I did cast Andrea and Enzo as kids and adults. Oh, you got them both. Um, okay. So I will, I'll bring both of them. Yeah. So Andrea to me, I mean, she when she is a kid in the show, not my favorite. Mm-hmm. When she gets to an adult, you know, like I said, four to eight strong episodes that I'm, I'm down with. Um, so as a kid, I just looked for, yeah, just a kid that I liked in 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 a movie I'd seen. Um, and it's uh, Juliana Gomez in the movie Instant Family. Uh, it's a movie with Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne, and they adopt some kids, and she's one of them. She's just, you know, okay. I it was just going kind of for like cute, the... Cute eight, kid? Eight, yeah, the eight-year-old range who's a cute kid, so went with mm-hmm. that. And then for the adult, Andrea, I went with Ana de Armas um, from Knives Out, Blade Runner 2049, uh, and she's going to be in the upcoming Bond film. Um, oh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Can can really yeah. um, I think I think she's a great actress and I think she can really yeah. pull off you know some more of that action. Uh, she's got that action look to her. I think she's going to be an action star coming up. So it was it's sort of a rising star up and coming for my uh, for my Andrea. Okay, yep. I like those. Cool, definitely down with that. It's a great call. All right, let's move on to Fong. I didn't really get Fong. What is Fong? <laughs> so Fong Fong is uh, one of the oldest command. I think prompts in in the in Matrix or in the mainframe. I think he's just one of like the oldest programs that they have. Yeah, okay. he's he's kind of like the keeper of like the software code, basically. Okay, uh, I'll jump in with mine. I just picked someone who I 
in my head, Fong should be funny. I don't know if that was true of the show, but in my head, he should be fungy. So yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of elements of it. But Um, so I just went with a a funny actor who I thought had a good voice. Uh, I went with Ken Jeong. Uh, No, (laughs) I don't know what is what is it you you have against Ken Jeong, Adam? I I it's I don't dislike Ken Jeong. Ken Jeong has no range, no range. And he's good for his specific stuff, and he can't get out of it because it's just not. I've watched too much of um, uh, the Mass Singer, and he's one of the get. He's one of the the like you know guests on the Mass Singer, yeah. and he's easily the most annoying on that show. I can't <laughs> yeah. stand him on that show, but I like him for his roles, like you know the Community, the that stuff for the um, the Hangover stuff. He's good with that those particular things, but I just I can't see him as a fong i just can't okay <laughs> i don't want to pile on to john here so i'll hey, just leave it i'll leave it there <laughs> oh but well di- i mean you can do you want to agree with me do you think it's not a great call I or think, you're I not think, piling on i think it's not a great call i think you can just play fong as ken jong and then you'll be fine well, i don't think it would be I, th- I think that's an atrocity to fong whatever I saw I saw Fong one time on the thing and I thought it was the dumbest fucking thing ever. So I was, I didn't give a shit. So yeah, then then Ken Jong works. <laughs> All right, Adam, who'd you go with? I, you know, I wanted to keep actually with it with an Asian actor as well because they kind of had that that vibe with Fong and it helps with uh, some diversity in the movie as well. Someone who I think has got some good range. Someone who is knowledgeable in the movies that I've seen him in. He's a good actor. I don't want to see him in, in plenty of stuff. And he played kind of a kind of the bad guy in Jurassic World, which was a piece of shit movie. Mm-hmm. But he was awesome in Jurassic Park. He had a small little bit, though. But he's done plenty of stuff, and I want to see him in more. I want B.D. Wong as my Fong. Yeah, I like that. Sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Because, uh, yeah, so for, for me, Fong has got to be, like, sort of the wise mentor. Like, you go out, got to want to go to that yes. guy with every single question you have. So for me, I went with someone who's played a mentor uh, in a computer system before. Uh, I actually went with Lawrence Fishburne for my Fong, which is a little oh, wow. a little younger than I think Fong is supposed to be. I mean, Fong is like 190 years old or something. <laughs> in that. But yeah, but uh, Fishburne, you know, he's got the grayish hair now. I think it's uh, I exactly. think he can he can play that mentor for that it- computer system. We went similar. Lawrence Fishburne is 59 right now, and B.D. Wong is 60. Okay. So they're kind yeah, of right around yeah. that same age. I, I'll never I'll never poo-poo some Lawrence Fishburne. He's a great actor. No. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Great in everything he's He in. can do what he wants. Yeah. He could be Andrea, and I'll say, yep, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on to Hexadecimal, which I did find to be an interesting character, actually. Mm-hmm. She's cool. Dean, why don't you go ahead with yours? Yeah, sure. So uh, Hexadecimal, first thing, uh, she seems very tall. Uh, so I wanted to go with a tall mm-hmm. actress, and I really got a uh, Aisha vibe, like from Guardians of the Galaxy Two, the uh, gold-painted woman in Guardians of the Galaxy Two. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Really yeah. got that vibe from her, so I went with Elizabeth Debicki, who uh, plays her in Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Also in okay. Uh, also in Widows, um, also in the new uh, Christopher Nolan movie Tenant. Okay, Adam, your thoughts on this? The only thing I can go off of is Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Mm-hmm. I don't see her in other stuff. I, I hope she could do it because I want to see the crazy yeah. with Hexadecimal. And I didn't really see 
enough of the crazy from her character in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And I totally, so yeah, I, I, I totally get that. Yeah. And I feel like in for me in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, it's like it's like right below the surface. Like it's just about to come out. And mm. I feel like if we got more of her, like in another movie, it's going to come out. So that's why I thought she could probably pull it off. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, those are my thoughts. I, I, I'd like to, I, I'm going to have to see it to like fully be invested. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Adam, who'd you go with? Uh, so as I mentioned, I needed somebody who are, where I've seen the crazy before. And yeah, if this was 20 years ago, it's Helen and Bonham Carter. Easy. No <laughs> question. But someone who I thought has really shown us some crazy recently, who I think could, could really kind of, you know, add some insanity to hexadecimal that I'm wanting nowadays. She showed all of that insanity in the movie Us. I went with Lupita Nyong'o oh, as yeah. my hexadecimal. Oh, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah, totally. Cool. Um, I don't know how you're going to feel about my actress. Uh, she's a good actress. She was raised in Toronto, so hopefully that uh, gives me some points nice. with yeah. Dean. Yeah. <laughs> Even though points. she wasn't she wasn't born there, but she was raised there. So Okay, okay. I don't know. I just kind of, I saw Hexadecimal more as menacing than crazy. So fair enough. She's she's definitely menacing. So I went with uh, I went with uh, uh, God. I can never remember how to pronounce her first name correctly. Uh, Malin Ackerman or Malin Ackerman. She was uh, she played Silk Spectre in Watch in the Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. I actually can I considered her for my Andrea actually Malin Ackerman, but I I I could see her as hexadecimal. I don't dislike that call. Uh, yeah, okay. John. I'm I like on board I like with that. that call. I like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something I didn't think of. I like that one. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, I'll take that. <laughs> that's a win for me. That's, the, that's as high as it's going to get yeah. out of all of my shit. <laughs> all right. Oh, John. You, and John, you don't like it when I shit on your stuff. I could tell. Like As much as I don't like when someone no, agrees, you're disagrees. fucking mean about it. I'd- anyway. <laughs> all right, let's go to Megabyte. I'm let's just- go to Megabyte. Uh, all right. Uh, you know what? I'm going to jump in with, with uh, Megabyte because uh, yeah. I, don't, I don't think my, my choice is bad. Um, I don't. I don't think it was the greatest choice because I made a very. I made this list very hastily, but uh, I like this actor and he play. He does play a lot of bad guys, and I so I could see him him doing this. I mean, he's not necessarily the greatest. Like he's not necessarily known especially for his voice, but I think he does have a good voice for it. Uh, for Megabyte, I went with Michael Shannon. Oh, interesting. He's good. He's menacing. I mean, he's a big actor right now. I think. I mean, he can do anything he freaking wants and. Uh, Oh man, I, I, I'm I'm all right with that. I agree. I agree. Shit, on the, John, I like that. I agree on the voice thing. It's hard for me to uh, because I, I like Tony J so much yeah. on that voice, so it's hard to to type. But they, you know, they could they can make they could digitally alter it if they needed to or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I like this, John. Cool. I, I I like it a lot. I think it's okay. uh, I like it almost almost as much as mine, maybe more. <laughs> I like Michael Shannon. That I, he's got that he's got that wild in his eyes that like. I think you get with Megabyte. I like that one. Okay. I like that. How about you tell us yours, Dean, before I blow you away with mine? (laughs) Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Mine, for me, I mean, it's probably, maybe it's my biggest name on the list and for me, most obvious choice. So maybe you won't like it, but Megabyte's got to be, for me, dramatic and charismatic Mm -hmm. and you have to be like afraid of him, but also he's kind of likable. Like there's some times when he just like... Mm -hmm does something good and you're like where did that come from um so i went with the one of the most dramatic slash likable villains um which was tom hiddleston um who played loki and i think he just pulls off this drama of megabyte um enough for me okay 
What do you think, Adam? You don't I like don't it? I love that. I, no, I'm not, I'm not a fan. <laughs> oh. I mean, I'm a fan of Tom Hiddleston. I don't think he fits. He fits, if you wanted to, to, to swap gender with hexadecimal, I think he would fit hexadecimal really, really well. I don't think he fits with megabyte. I don't. That's my, okay. my two cents. Okay. I would say for hexadecimal, he's not as, or he, he's almost like, like too crafty. For hexadecimal, hexadecimal is more like mm-hmm. just shooting from the hip, mm-hmm. just wild, doing whatever she wants to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Megabyte's got the plans. He's like so dramatic. Yeah, I don't know. It works for me. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, that's All right. fine. <laughs> All right, Adam, blow okay. us away. I'm blowing you away. Okay, let's I'm ready it. to blow you. I'm gonna blow the two of you. Oh, perfect. So good. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm ready. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> My actor is uh, he Megabyte. I, I liked the imposing nature of megabyte and i did like the voice as i mentioned it was really tough for me to get away from that so i needed someone who can do a great voice a great menacing voice someone who is tall pretty tall or at least can can be intimidating so i pulled back to an actor who i've, I've used multiple times I, at least once and i know john is, i think has used him before as well we both love him to death and maybe he's not every he's not as big of a name as michael shannon or tom hiddleston but i think he's a hell of a villain actor I went with Clancy Brown as my megabyte. Interesting. Okay, okay. He's got a great, a great angry uh, voice that he can do. You know, he can be big and menacing. He is older. That is, I mean, I went much older yeah. than the two of yeah. you. But, um, but I, mean, I don't know. I, I mean, it's going to be there's a lot of makeup, a lot of CG, and, you know, and I think it'll work. Yeah, I mean, any of that stuff could work depending on how you do it. I mean... Um, uh-huh. well, we, you guys don't sound blown though. No, I I'm, don't hate it. I'm not. No, I'm, not see- I'm pulling my pants back up because I was not blown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's decent. Damn it! <laughs> I I I mean I love me some Clancy Brown. I mean if you're doing uh-huh. in a world where you're doing stuff like you know like like hopefully better than this, but like the Steppenwolf from Justice League where it was like, uh, uh, what was it, Kyrian Orion? Yeah, yeah. You know, does a very good voice and, and works yeah. well. I can definitely see Clancy doing that because Clancy's got a great voice for that sort of thing. Yes. yes. So I can't hate... That was actually kind of my your thought. my uh, motivation. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I can't I can't hate that because I, I mean, I love me some Clancy Brown. Again, you could cast Clancy as Andrea and I would be fine with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the voice I think is key there. So that's why I don't hate it. I like it. Okay. Yeah. It's but, good. But you've been blue-balled there, Dean. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> Hope you got something else for me later on here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I do. Don't you worry. Oh, Jesus. All right, let's go to Enzo. Uh, let's get mine out of the way because I I did mine as a kid, mm-hmm. uh, only as a kid. I found Enzo in the first couple episodes to be quite annoying. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I kind of just like, oh, I'm just going to find a kid. Um, I did cast someone who I've only seen them in one movie, and I haven't done that many, many movies. Although, looking at it, it looks like uh, this kid has been tapped to uh, be in a Home Alone reboot that has been announced in this filming, oh, wow. but not named. Um, I don't know if he's the main character or not. But I only saw him in one movie, and he was pretty funny in it, and that was the movie Jojo Rabbit, and I'm with the the kid actor named Archie Yates. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, did either of you see Jojo Rabbit? Yes. I did. Yeah, he wasn't. He was the friend. Yeah, he was he the friend. The I thought kid. he was hilarious in that movie. Yeah, he is hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Yes. Yes. Okay. Don't hate it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a kid. That's that. It's a kid. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah. He's a kid, and he was a kid actor who did good in the thing that I saw him in. Exactly. So yeah. There you go. He, yeah. He might be able to pull off the 
the the heroic aspect of Enzo. I just haven't seen yeah. it, but you know, I, I think he could probably do it. All right. Well, Dean, mm-hmm. well, let's go to you since I know you said you cast both the yes. kid and adult versions. Yes, I cast both. Um, yeah, Enzo is kind of uh, full of energy as a kid, you know, borderline annoying. But he he really wants more responsibility as the show goes on. He really wants to be that hero like Bob. He looks up to Bob. Um, so I actually went with an, an actor who portrayed a character similar to that, which was based on a comic book I really love. Uh, that comic book was Lock and Key. The character um, was Bodie. And it's uh, Jackson Robert Scott, who is also in the It movies. He's Georgie. He's the youngest kid who gets mm. um, taken by Pennywise. Um, but yeah, he he did such a good job of Bodie on Lock and Key. It was so perfect. And that kid is another kid who is the youngest sibling and just wants more responsibility. He wants to be trusted by his older siblings and wants to help fight sort of the evil that there is in that show. Um, so for me, he was he was perfect for that. Okay. Yeah, I, I have not seen. I haven't seen either of the It movies, okay. uh, the recent ones. I haven't seen Lock and Key. He seems to be doing quite a bit of horror stuff. This kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, true. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like a kid. Okay. So he I looks like a kid. You. I'll take it. Great. Yeah. All right. Um, my uh, my adult Enzo. Um, for me, the key to him is the the arc of his uh, sort of like the sadness they get into and the the failure he feels. So I need somebody who can have like a sad face, but like is still looks strong and still like looks like he can be that hero um i went with someone who is uh, gone from acting for a little bit and has come back uh, i went with shia labeouf okay god no no you i i don't think you're right adam i this is my favorite casting i've uh, done shia labeouf here really Honey boy and peanut butter falcon he has come back and he has the acting uh-huh. chops and he has that still he does have he's got the chops yeah. i give you the guy has got the chops but he's got it's really hard sadness. to separate i haven't seen I haven't seen any of his stuff since he's kind of come back into the world. Yeah. So I, I still have his fuck you. You're a weirdo. Like <laughs> yeah. Jerk. You're an asshole. Yeah. I don't. So I don't. That, I don't like him because he's an asshole. I. That's, uh, that's gone. <laughs> I haven't seen. Okay. I haven't seen peanut butter peanut butter falcon, but I've heard nothing but good things about it. Yeah. Okay. He's so. fantastic, and I, I right. just I think he he nails the vibe I want for Enzo. Okay. Okay. I'm cool with it. All right. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. I'm cool with it. I'll I'll give you the benefit of the doubt on because I haven't seen his recent stuff. I'm just okay. stuck in like you I know, know 2015 yeah. Shia LaBeouf. I, I get it. I get it. Yeah, the guy who put a paper bag over his head and said, "I'm not famous." Like, are you fucking kidding yeah. me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not that guy. <laughs> not that guy. Okay, yeah. good. I'm glad he's grown. Yeah. All right, Adam. Yeah. I wanted the gruff badass that was Enzo. Uh, as I mentioned, you know, before, give me a no name kid. Um, and then kind of grow him into the the Enzo that I want. And I picked, I just, I, I haven't picked this guy in maybe a little bit because I've picked him so many times, John. <laughs> but you know, I love him as one of my most best leading man right now. And he's got all the range you need for everything. He can be super badass and gruff when you need it. And as I mentioned, Enzo is going to be my lead for this film. And so I, he's my, this is my biggest actor. And I think he's just, he's probably one of the best actors I've got. Uh, I I got a hell of a cast right now looking at it, but like this guy is one of my favorite dudes right now and he's amazing. Everything he does. And uh, I went with Michael B. Jordan as my Enzo. I think, I think that that gruff Enzo who comes in later, he would nail it. Yeah. I can't argue with, uh, I can't argue with some Michael B. Jordan. Very good. Very good casting. Yep. Okay. All right. uh, Let's go to dot dot matrix. 
Sorry, it was a Spaceballs reference. <laughs> oh, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah, yes right. right. The, the android. Sorry. We yeah. showed th- we showed that movie to our kids, forgetting how many curse words were in it, by the way. I forgot. Oh. <laughs> uh. And then my daughter was like, can we watch it again? Can we watch? She thought it was the funniest freaking thing in the world. Very nice. So, uh, okay. Uh, Adam, why don't you jump us off with Dot Matrix? Sure. Dot Matrix is, she can be badass. She kind of gets grows into that a little bit more. She's a little bit more of like just this side diner kind of extra character early on. I don't know. She she wasn't she didn't have enough depth early on in the show and then they kind of grew her character. And um she's a good bit older than Enzo, at least looks that way when you see it. So I wanted to still kind of have like that eh, tennis year kind of looking gap. And I went with an actress who she she's been in some stuff. Honestly not nothing big for a while. And most people are going to know her from probably the the 2000 movie Bring It On. But she's a good actress. She's absolutely stunning. Uh, but that really has nothing to do with anything else. But she, she's, I want to see her in some more stuff. And I want to see her more more recent big stuff. And so I think she could kind of, you know, be my Matrix and be the, the sister to Enzo. I went with Gabrielle Union. No, oh, I like that. Yeah, I, I like it too. Okay. Yeah. I think Dot's a little hard to crack, and I think that's I think that's good. Yeah, yeah. Dot's that's hard to crack. Yeah, it's it's cr- as good as I could. She is in a show what LA's finest with uh, Jessica Alba right now, which I haven't seen it, but those are like oh my god, two of, like the, my biggest crushes from like the year like two thousand <laughs> to sure. two thousand and three or something. So it's like I should be watching that movie. Yeah, or that, for that sure. Show, so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, Dean, why don't you go ahead with yours? Sure. Um, yeah, like I said, I think Dot is kind of hard to crack because, like Adam said, uh, not much personality early in the show. Um, mm-hmm. So I tried to pick out the part where um, I really I really was enjoying Dot, and that's later in season three. She kind of becomes this, like, badass commander, um, but she has sort of these moments of emotion where she's like, has to isolate herself after a battle because she's, like, actually killing other citizens of mainframe so she she really just cares about everyone in the city but she knows they're in a war um so that kind of brought me to the actress that i think can really nail dot in those moments and for me that is amelia clark yeah i actually i can she was one of my earlier considerations on her as well i I like that call cool yeah i like amelia clark i'm cool with that cool uh all right so i just went with an actress (laughs) that my (laughs) apathy towards this (laughs) casting is is just yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, John, if, I think if, you all. <laughs> if you only watch the first two episodes, there's not much to go off of for Dot. <laughs> yeah. I had trouble after the first two episodes. Yeah. I had no name written beside Dot. I was like, I, I don't know where I'm going to go with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I just picked a, a, an actress that I, had, I don't think I'd used before. Um, I've liked her in some shows. She was in the TV show Legion um, and uh, had a bit of a better known uh, run on the CW show Arrow as uh Oliver Queen's sister, Thea, I went with uh, Willa Holland. Oh, yeah. Okay. She's an actress. She is an actress. Yeah. She is. I mean, I... I I unfortunately haven't seen anything that she's done, but... Okay. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I think I think that's fine. Like it, I, like I said, Dot's hard, so I can see her fitting mm-hmm. with Dot at some point in that story. So yeah, <laughs> I, I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, at some point. All right, all right. Let's get let's get uh, let's get this shit over with. Let's go let's to Bob. Get- <laughs> John, you are not digging the reboot, no. John. I think I think the entire all you, you said four words while Dean and I were ranting about the other, you know, about the show itself, and it was and your words were I didn't like it, uh, and then now you're just you're trying to rush us. 
John, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I placed this upon you. You know no, what? No, no, if, you, no, no, no. if you guys ever have me back, you choose. You choose the topic. It, it is. Uh, it is. An, it is inevitable that there are going to be things that don't fall into my nostalgia that yeah. I'm not going to particularly like. That doesn't mean we shouldn't talk about them. Yeah. Cool. Uh, all right. So sure. let me get mine out of the way. Cool. Uh, I picked this kid, well, not kid, I mean, he's a kid to me because I, I remember him mostly for being a child actor, but he's he's grown up in, into uh, kind of a strapping young man. I, I looked at him, I was like, I've never cast him in anything, and I was kind of innocuous about Bob to begin with, so I was like, you know what, I'd be willing to give him a shot as a, as a lead on a show, and most people are going to know him from uh, his role in Harry Potter as Neville Longbottom. I went with Matthew Lewis. Hmm. I mean that guy, that kid got himself good looking is what he did. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he like he did he had the ugly ducking duckling syndrome for sure. Yeah. So he yeah. kind of grew up and maybe yeah. maybe that pulls some some uh some female watchers or male yeah. watchers whatever. Maybe. I don't judge. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? And I'm just trying to remember that your casting is you have a very young Enzo and a very young Andrea. So like I would think he's a little bit younger than I, I would want for my Bob and that I cast but for your movie he fits better. Yeah. Okay. And, and so, yeah. And, and you know what? And I want to see him in more stuff because I haven't really seen him in anything since uh, the Harry Potter series. And in those last couple of movies, that guy is a baller. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he is a badass. Totally. That I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you could become like an action hero, you know, or something like that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'll, I'll allow it, John. Okay. Yeah, when you when you said that, John, I tried to picture if like it was they're coming out with Reboot and that was announced. I would be excited about that. Okay. So I like it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Adam, why don't you go to yours? We'll leave our, our guests to have the last word. Sounds good. Um, yeah, so so as I mentioned, yeah, I my because I aged up my Enzo and my Andrea, um, I needed my Bob to be a little bit more older, similar to age, like with my dot matrix. And that's kind of like, you know, for at least currently right now, born in like the early 70s or kind of have at least that look. And I wanted Bob. Bob is a badass in his own right. And in my kind of movie, he'd probably die off, maybe come back later, you know, as a potential helpful duos machina savior or something if, if needed. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to play an actor who has done some similar kind of roles to that. He's definitely had a great action star that we've had uh, recently. And I think in the upcoming Hawkeye movie, he's going to kind of have like that mentor-esque style that I kind of want to see for this one for Bob. Um, I went with Jeremy Renner as my Bob. Okay. Okay. He doesn't. He doesn't match. He doesn't match the hair. You know, it's kind of. I'm not sure if I want that same hair yeah. as my Bob, but I think he's got the vibe. Mm-hmm. He's he can be a fun kind of fun loving dude like Bob is, but also can be a badass dude. Yeah. So that's what I, I like. Jeremy Renner. I'm cool with that. Yeah, I I love that okay. Adam. That is uh, that's exactly cool. what I want out of Bob right there. I feel like nice. my choice is much different. Maybe not much different than that, but it's a little bit different. But uh, I love that that Jeremy Renner. Thank you. All right, Dean. Okay, so my Bob, I want, like, I don't really think he's that much of a badass. For me, he's more Mm. of, like, the sarcastic, cocky lead. So I like him to be kind of funny. He's always jabbing at Megabyte, always making jokes about everything that's, like, every situation he's in. So he's still getting the job done, but Enzo is the badass. He becomes the badass, and Bob is still just kind of like that cocky, funny guy. Um, But he also Mm. needs to be cool saying this computer shit. (laughs) <laughs> uh, so I can't pick someone who's too cool that this saying this computer shit's just not going to be creditable. So I have as my Bob John Cho from Star Trek. Okay. okay from yeah. Searching. Yeah. I think he can be my Bob who can still sound cool saying that stuff, saying that computer stuff. And also 
I, I think he's funny. I, I just I think he's in in, in action yeah. movies in Star Trek. I think he's funny. Yeah, I I'm totally with that. That, that cool. Oh man, that's a good. Yeah, he's he's got that good mix yeah. for Bob. Is yeah, I'm I'm down. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Awesome. Cool. All right. Good job, gentlemen. Yeah, it was tons of fun. Yeah. Dean, do you want to uh, plug anything here at the end? Uh, plug your uh, uh, podcast again, or ah, uh, sure, I'll plug it because if I don't, Tim would get mad at me. But. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> the pod uh, don't you love it when brothers you know they'll, they'll keep they keep getting on you <laughs> yeah exactly no 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 um yeah our podcast is called talking back uh it comes out on mondays you can find it on any podcatcher if you want to uh, check us out on instagram that's really i mean we're on facebook as well but instagram is really where we're doing doing the most work and the most posting it is talk back pod um that's the handle so uh i if you if you liked <laughs> hearing me here you can check me out there <laughs> yeah and you all should because it's a fantastic podcast i really enjoy listening to the yeah, two of them thank you also early on early on i had trouble distinguishing y'all's voices from each other <laughs> okay but that that's just me i don't know maybe maybe i don't know I, i've heard the same a- thing about you and me adam are before. you saying that all canadians sound alike <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly. what he's saying that is it <laughs> yeah I, and I blame Canada, for God's sake, for sure. Uh, uh, anyway, Dean, you're awesome. Thank you so much. And if we ever get together, we'll watch some reboot and have a good time. Yes, for sure. That would be great. Thanks so much for having me on, guys. I love your show. I had a blast yeah. here today. That was our recasting of a reboot movie. Please join us next time for a super sweet episode. It's chock full of sugar and 10 essential vitamins and minerals. That's right. John and Adam talk about their top 10 favorite nostalgic cereals. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. everybody i'm Corey, and i'm zach and we're the hosts of podcasting after dark a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s often found on hbo and cinemax you know the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid you can find us every other week on apple podcasts spotify podbean and stitcher this is what you want this is what you get